Welcome to Planning Policy Working Group. Um, we'll start with apologies for absence and declarations of interest. Stephanie Harris and uh, Alan Mills, apologies. I declare an in. Good start. It's one of the other ones down there. Yeah, it's on soon. It's on now. Uh, could I declare an interest as the County Councillor for Great Dunmo, Chairman? And Edward Oliver will be late. He's coming from London. Okay, thank you. Thank you very much. So, uh, the way that we will uh, conduct this evening is that we have, uh, we believe, nine speakers, and we've set aside two microphones, so if I call you up two at a time, we can sort of flow more easily uh, from one to the other. And, uh, as you know, uh, public speaking is limited to three minutes unless you're a district councillor, in which case it's five. We have one district councillor scheduled to speak uh, this evening. Um, and we have a new device which you'll see the clock uh, on the screen. We had some confusion at our last meeting, so to avoid all confusion, complete transparency about time, it will then ring so loudly that you won't be able to carry on anyway, and I think that's fair, fair, fair for everyone. Okay, so um, the, the, what we will do is we will have the public speakers, uh, then officers will uh, open and make a presentation um, on a sort of strategic level, uh, which particularly concentrates on item three of your agenda. Um, and then I'm proposing, for the benefit of the, uh, the, the group, uh, to go through this document um, chapter by chapter. So uh, you'll be able to come back and ask your questions uh, at that. And what I ask officers to do is to note carefully the points that are being made by the speakers and where possible to respond to those in either your opening comments or in the detailed points as we go through the relevant chapters. Okay? In which case, uh, the first speaker is Neil Gregory, who I know is, is, is not available. Is there another speaker from Chesterford Parish Council? In which case, we'll go on to the second speaker, who's Martin Herbert uh, from um, Galliard Homes. And I also go ask uh, Dr. Mott from Elsenham Parish Council to come up, and we will go from uh, Mr. Herbert to Dr. Mott. Mr. Herbert. Thank you. <clears throat> My name is Martin Herbert. I'm from WYG Town Planning and I'm speaking on behalf of Galliard Homes, who hold one of the two principal land interests at west of Braintree. I've been helping to promote the site for a new community for 10 years or more, and of course we support the Council's recognition of the potential of the location for strategic development, as explained in Policy SP5 and SP8 of the Draft Plan. We understand that much of the detail remains to be determined through the specific DPD, and we look forward to working with Uttlesford Council, Braintree Council, the statutory service providers and the local communities to produce this. I don't believe we have any fundamental issues with the comments on West of Braintree as they are set out before you today. Galliard is committed to delivering not just homes, but places of the highest quality that everyone will be proud of. Most importantly, Galliard builds homes. It is not any sort of middleman in the development process, it has substantial resources and a reputation for delivery. 
During the 10 years we've been promoting West of Braintree, Galliard has delivered, on average, 1,000 homes per year elsewhere. It also has currently another 7,000 in various stages of construction. At West of Braintree, there isn't a complex land assembly exercise required. We have been working cooperatively with the other principal landowner, the Andrews Airfield Consortium, throughout. We agree with the Council when it says the exact delivery model should be determined separately from the land, land use planning process. This issue was the subject of lengthy debate at the recent Braintree Local Plan examination as part of the North Essex Strategic Plan. I believe there was general agreement that the model could range from a privately led one on the one hand to a locally led development corporation on the other. The important thing is to choose the right arrangement for the particular circumstances and in Galliard's case it is surely logical to take full advantage of the company's experience in delivering homes and lead the development of the West of Braintree Garden community. With that in mind, we have consistently taken every opportunity to state our view that it is possible to deliver around 150 to 200 homes per year, on average, at the West of Braintree. All the investigations the Council and we ourselves have made indicate there are no substantial infrastructure hurdles to overcome that would prevent a commencement of development in 2022-2023, so we disagree with the suggestion that this date should be much later, as we do also that only 970 homes could be delivered in the plan period, and we have never been consulted on either of these two points. So we very much support the Council's principles of development for the West of Braintree, but we urge you to resist imposing artificial constraints on delivery here and support the ambitions of Galliard to lead the private sector provision of the new council of the new garden community in partnership with public sector interests and those of local communities. Well timed. Well timed. Thank you very much Thank indeed. You. Okay. So if you could just turn your mic off and um, Dr. Mott can turn his on. And I understand you're speaking on behalf of Elston Parish Council. Uh, Mr. Chairman, I'm indeed speaking on behalf of Elston Parish Council. Yes, Elston not one of the three new garden settlements. Perhaps members are thinking, but surely Elsinham is not in the plan now. But it is. The proposals include a site in Robin Hood Road scheduled for 440 dwellings. As we all know, sir, a leading reason for the rejection of the previous local plan was the unsuitable road links to Elsinham particularly the wholly unsatisfactory main route through Stansted Mount Fitchett via Grove Hill, Lower Street and Chapel Hill. And the same conclusion was reached by a second inspector and confirmed by the Secretary of State in 2016 when rejecting the appeal by Fairfield against refusal of 800 homes between Elston and Henham. Fairfield put in a recent application to build 350 houses on the same site. That's not part of this plan, but... Some of the responses were surprising, for they revealed the extent to which local residents, weary of the intractable traffic problems through Stansted, already make use of wholly unsuitable alternative routes via narrow, twisting country lanes with width limits of 6 foot 6 inches. In other words, access through Stansted is now effectively beyond capacity and there are about 230 houses approved but not yet occupied in Elsinham. 
The total number of dwellings across the district in the plan until 2033 is now 14,700 as against the 14,100 required. Using the Liverpool methodology, the five-year housing supply stands at very nearly six years. Thus, there is now spare capacity in the plan. The smaller allocations should not just go through on the nod. The volume of new homes already committed in Elstham will result in an increase in the village of about 60% since 2011, and these further 40 houses must be the leading candidates for total exclusion from the plan. To conclude, sir, when this plan goes before an inspector, one obvious question will be what new housing is proposed for Elsnam? It would help greatly if the answer was none at all. Rather than an allocation which is unsustainable because Elsnam has already been favoured with an excessively large amount of new housing. And, finally, new information from local residents shows that the village is even more unsuitable now on transport grounds than it was when the previous local plan concluded, in his words, that it cannot overcome the connectivity disadvantages of its location. He certainly knew what he was talking about, Mr Chairman. Thank you very much for your attention. Oh, well done. And thank you very much to, to excellent timing. Uh, I failed to ask uh, Tony Augie uh, to the microphone in advance, so I'll also ask uh, William Brown, if I may. Um, Mr Augie is a member of Great Abington Parish Council, but I think he's speaking in a personal capacity. Um, and... Um, Officers will obviously be trying to note all the comments, but I think there was a particular comment there about 14,700 rather than 14,100 and a six-year land supply that we'd want to, uh, to come back on. Mr Augie, thank you. Thanks very much. I confirm that I am speaking tonight in a personal capacity. Paragraph 14 of the covering report in your agenda papers states that North Uttlesford Garden Community is close to rail stations on the existing lines to London and Cambridge. However, as we all know, Great Chesterford Station is far less well served by trains than Whittlesford Station. So for rail users in the community, access to Whittlesford Station is important. And for road traffic, this means going via the A1301 and the A505 A1301 McDonald's roundabout, provided these are not congested. In January this year, South Cam's District Council approved a planning application for the Sawston Trade Park, situated in Pampersford Parish and just 400 yards north of the A505 A1301 roundabout. And this was for 1,500 jobs and 670 car parking spaces. In March this year, the District Council, South Cam's uh, District Council considered an application for an agritech park on the A1301 south of the A505. 4,000 jobs and 2,000 car parking spaces. Now, as we all know, this was rejected, but there's obviously the possibility of an appeal. The Wellcome Trust Genome Campus is currently talking about expansion on the 1301 with hundreds or more new jobs and 1,500 new dwellings. And an application is expected within the next few months. And then there's the North Uttlesford Garden Community Proposal. Now, all these proposals do seem to have one common feature, considerable reliance on improving capacity at the A505-A1301 roundabout 
to address the impact of increasing traffic. I must say that I remain unconvinced by the traffic modelling and am very concerned that the likely impact of any of these proposals going forward would be increased rat running through villages to avoid congestion at the round, in the roundabout area. And this would lead to a severe and adverse impact on villages such as Duxford, Hingston and Ickleton. Your response might well be yes, but there's going to be a study of the A505. And my response to that would be yes, but in my view, it would be a mistake to assume that improvements to the A505 would necessarily be entirely online in the local area. So in conclusion, I do not support the inclusion of the North Uttlesford Garden Committee site in the local plan. And I have one plea for you, and that is please don't have an important Section 19 consultation where a significant portion of the consultation period is within the holiday period. Thank you. Thank you. Professor Brown. And if I could call Fiona Wilkinson. Thank you for this opportunity to comment on the proposed North Uttlesford Garden community. Although I speak for Hinkston, my comments are fully supported by the chairs of the parish councils of Ickleton, Duxford, Pampisford, Whittlesford, Little Abington, Great Abington, that is by all those parishes in South Cambridgeshire that are directly affected. It's clear that Uttlesford is not proud of this proposed new town. You could not have pushed it further away. More than half of its edge is actually defined by the Essex-Cambridge county boundary. What a bizarre sight for a town purporting to provide homes for people working in Uttlesford. Whatever the short-term short political convenience of this choice, it has profound long-term implications for our parishes. We abut on half the proposed Newtown boundary, but we shall have to bear far, far more than half of the infrastructural and amenity costs. This is because the town would be high on our River Cam watershed with all the flooding and pollution management implications bearing downstream on our villages. It is because the town would be on top of the main aquifers of our water supplier, Cambridge Water, but not of yours, Affinity Water. It is because the traffic for the new town cannot possibly rely on the winding road to Southron Walden. It will overwhelmingly be forced onto the already congested roads of South Cambridgeshire. It is because over the years, as the new town grows, the costs of its health, education and other needs will unavoidably be borne by our nearby communities in South Cambridgeshire. It is because the town, grotesquely sited on the hills that shape our Cam Valley, will have a massive impact on rural South Cambridgeshire. It will not preserve or enhance our shared landscape, it will wreck it and its ancient heritage. None of these implications are dealt with adequately in your documentation for your pre-submission. Yet despite most of the burden falling on South Cambridgeshire, Uttlesford has made minimal efforts to consult it on these things. There is no commitment to share captured land value or Section 106 money to meet the massive costs to be inflicted on our parish and on our county. The looming tragedy of this new town is all the greater because it is unnecessary. Uttlesford housing needs are not in its north but in its south. 
South Cambridgeshire has shown publicly that it can meet its own housing needs. The new town would devastate our countryside to no purpose. We urge you to remove it from your local plan. We are confident that the inspector will be persuaded that the new town is unnecessary, that it's contrary to national planning regulations, that is unsustainable, and that consultation with your neighbours has been grossly inadequate. Thank you. Thank you. Um, Fiona Wilkinson, followed by Caroline Fuller. Fiona Wilkinson, it doesn't say whether you're representing Little Chesterford Parish Council, it just says you're from Little Chesterford Parish Council. I am indeed representing. Representing. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I'd like to bring to your attention that the Regulation 19 documents appear to make two substantive changes to the policies regarding Chesterford Research Park set out in Regulation 18. Firstly, an increase in the area available for development in both terms of acreage and floor space. This is not a small increase, but a doubling of the existing area, although the floor space numbers quoted don't quite seem to add up. Secondly, there is an inconsistent wording about the permitted employment uses of the site. The intent appears to be to broaden the usage, that is for uses other than research and development. Section 5.37 states, there's potential to expand the site to accommodate future requirements for R&D floor spaces and widen the permitted use to other similar high quality uses, whereas EMP1 just references ancillary office uses, although it doesn't define what ancillary means. These changes appear to have been made in response to a comment on Regulation 18 submitted by Aviva, who owned 50% of the park. Indeed, the Chesterford Park Development Limited limits are identical in the Regulation 19 inset map to the one submitted by Aviva in their comment, with the exception of one small detail, which is a plot to accommodate a crash. The other half of the park, as I'm sure everyone here is aware, is owned by Aspire which is in turn wholly owned by Oxford District Council, but I have been unable to find any mention of this in the Regulation 19 documentation. The wholesale adoption of Aviva's proposal again calls into question both the impartiality and the transparency of the planning process where the authority is both the investor and the plan creator and therefore has a conflict of interests. The proposed change to permit non-R&D use seems puzzling given that Section 2.1 of Reg 19 also states that the district has a central role within the South Cam's research and biotech cluster focused on Chesterford Research Park, and that the justification of the North Yusselsford Garden community has been consistently stated to provide housing for this sector. Perhaps the reason for this can be found in Section 5.7, which states that development of the Chesterford Park site according to the current master plan, is progressing at a slower rate than originally anticipated and that current estimates are that completion will take 12 to 15 years. So, not only does the plan propose development for which there is no demonstrated demand, should the take-up be lower than predicted, it's proposed to get around this by permitting higher density uses with all the implications that this has for the surrounding environment and infrastructure. I note that you have been told, or will be told, that legal advice emphasises the need for a consistent theme throughout the plan document and the need to adhere to a clear and coherent strategy which the evidence leads to. 
Since these proposals are both logically inconsistent and are not supported by the evidence base, I urge you not to be swayed by the Council's investment and drive to get a return, but do the right thing by proposing an amendment that retains the use of the park for research and development and have development limits that are in line with realistic uptake rates. I also urge you to take this into consideration when considering the proposed garden community on the North Utterville site, since the strong links with Chesterwood Park is an a, uh, important part of the reason for selection. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Um, the one thing I will comment on there is um, I don't think you're correct, but you might be about the reference to 50% uh, ownership by Aspire. But if you are correct, we will absolutely uh, make that abundantly clear I in the submission. I was unable to find it. Um, well, well, we'll just double-check that. But there's, 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 you know, we're fully transparent on that point, so we'll make quite sure it's, it's in, the, in the papers. Thank you. Um, I will uh, call Sandy Merrifield uh, to the vacant microphone. And um, Caroline Fuller, Great Dunmo Town Council. Thank you. Uh, good evening. I'm speaking on behalf of Great Dunmo Town Council uh, to bring you its objection to new wording in the Spatial Strategy Document SP1, Chapter 3. My name is Caroline Fuller. I'm the Town Clerk. I have got some maps here I'd like to distribute to you. Um, so if, would I be able to leave those here for distribution? Thank you very much. You certainly will. Yeah. Thank you. I have three points to raise in relation to Chapter 3. Firstly, the explanation of the chosen hybrid strategy is not consistently supported by your evidence base. Secondly, descriptions of areas of search are misleading. And thirdly, comparisons between areas of search are unclear and inconsistent. If I take each point in turn, uh, firstly, all new settlement locations will pose challenges of urban sprawl and coalescence with existing neighbouring communities, but none more so than the challenges facing us in Great Dunmo. The combination of near doubling the size of the town and a new town next to it would compromise access to the town and pose serious transport problems yet to be properly assessed, as raised in our comment to you at your last meeting. 3.8 explains that the hybrid strategy is intended to solve the problems identified in the alternative strategies. However, in 3.9 you say... Focusing significant new development in the villages or the two main towns would result in a scale of development which would have a detrimental effect on the character and historic assets of the town or village, the surrounding countryside and highway network. Um, on our maps, um, one shows the extent of the planned growth, including the Regulation 18 sites, and the other one shows the various issues we have identified with Eastern Park. Both maps show that the hybrid strategy cannot avoid substantial harm to the character, surrounding countryside and the highway network in relation to Great Dunmo. Please provide evidence to support the hybrid strategy in relation to Great Dunmo. I refer to points 313 to 320 areas of search descriptions which are then repeated throughout the document. Area of search 7 is described as land south of Little Eastern. How can you not describe Eastern Park as land west of Great Dunmo? West of Braintree is significantly removed from the town in comparison. Please amend the description to land south of Little Eastern and west of Great Dunmo known as Eastern Park. Similarly, for clarification, 
The misleading area of Search 9 description should be amended to land north of Flitch Green and east of Little Dunmo. Clearer presentation of the evidence is needed to explain that land is available to extend the Oakwood Park housing development, now known as Flitch Green, which has an established road and public transport network and local community amenities. Furthermore, 315 explains why area of search 9 was rejected, but this raises more questions than it answers, including the question, how is Stebbing better connected to the A120 than Flitch Green? We ask that these matters are addressed so that your evidence is presented more clearly and consistently. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, I call uh, Councillor Redfern to the vacant microphone. Thank you. Sandy Merrifield representing Stebbing Parish Council. Again, it doesn't say whether you're speaking on behalf of the Parish no, Council or the yourself. Council. On behalf of the Parish, parish Council. Council. Thank you. <coughs> Excuse me. Stebbing Parish Council is greatly concerned of the emphasis in 3.20 on what appears to be the reliance of the future residents of West of Braintree on all the local facilities and transport facilities in Braintree. Now we know that we may be far away from the Nirvana of Saffron Walden, but Stebbing is in Uttlesford and the majority of people go to Dunmo. In SP1, Stebbing Parish Council does not think that this is appropriate that when talking about West of Braintree in, for example, 3.20 and 3.31, it appears that Uttlesford still does not say how closely they will work with Braintree District Council or the North Essex Garden Communities or when it morphs into the North Essex um, Development Corporation. Um, Will it be Uttlesford Development Corporation? We don't know what it's going to be yet. Stebbing Parish Council fears that there are still too many questions, no answers, only aspirations, and we feel still no developer overall, although we have heard tonight that there still is. Stebbing Parish Council thinks that this should that this plan should this plan go through that so much is left to the DPD and while sounding an opportunity for local communities to have their input we worry that this council and its officers will not have the experience and knowledge to carry out these immense tasks to create this garden community. In SP5 how will this council intervene directly to ensure that, the, that garden city principles are met within the delivery models and within the proposed timetables? You state in 3.98 that you will jointly prepare a DPD with Braintree District Council. Stebbing Parish Council feels there still is no evidence of how, this will be, how you will do this. It still states in 3.99 that there is a broad area of search which is not at all satisfactory or equitable to the community of Stebbing and Stebbing Green, especially as it is not always obvious whether they are, they are is the whole of Western Braintree you're talking about or just the Uttlesford part, given that the proposed areas are distinct and separate sections of land. Yet again, it appears we must wait for the DPD. Concerning SP8, yet again we have to wait for the strategic development plan to be developed. Can you assure us that there will be 40% affordable housing? How will you go about assuring it? In SP8.5, it mentions the rapid transit as a priority to Braintree and Dunmo. Um, will there be buses at all? Or was it just going to be this rapid transit which will take up more land? Again, this is aspirational. Stebbing Parish Council is very concerned there is no mention of schools. 
or health centres. And finally, we are astounded that the map of Stebbing does not include all of Stebbing. This has been pointed out at least twice before and has been ignored. This is an insult to the villages that live in Stebbing. Thank you very much. Um, I will answer some of those points. Um, the DPD, as uh, you'll be aware, is a legally enforceable um, process that has the power of a local plan. It goes through a very similar process but in very much greater detail. In terms of the experience and the knowledge, uh, what we don't have, we will engage, which is exactly what we've done so far with the local plan. Um, garden community principles, absolutely. If, if these do not proceed on garden community principles, they will not proceed. It is absolutely as simple as that. Um, and, um, and I think you heard earlier from Galliards that they recognise that. And uh, it is quite possible that uh, this, this development could be done through a um, development corporation. Uh, that decision hasn't been made, but it's a perfect possibility that it will happen. Things like 40% affordable housing, absolutely, as a key aspect. It's, it, it's written right the way through this document. 40% is the policy of this council, and it would be the policy uh, for these new developments. So schools, health centres, all of that uh, are, are written in, actually, as key elements for a new community. In terms of working with Braintree District Council, clearly we need to consider this as a, as a single development. It would be absurd if there was a a, a development with a blob on the side of it. So we will work very closely with Braintree District Council. There's absolutely no reason why we can't do that and wouldn't do that. So I'm, I'm confident that uh, we, we can... The duty to cooperate is already underway, but, but to come together as, as a single unit to develop a, a single unit is, is, the, is very much the ambition. Thank you. Okay. Um, Councillor Redfern, uh, Redfern is the last speaker, and Councillor Redfern, as I said, gets five minutes. Thank you. Thank you. Um, I would like to thank um, Tony Orgi, um, William Brown and Fiona for coming to speak on um, the stuff to do with North Uttlesford. As you can imagine, I feel under total fire because I've got um, Chesford Research Park and North Uttlesford falling in my ward. Um, I'm here to speak yet again on behalf of the ward that I represent and some of what I've said I am repeating what I said last week um, I brought to the planning policy working group last week the, their attention to the concerns of the capacity of the M11 and also the capacity problems of the B1383 raised in WYG's report and still no improvements seem to have made it into regulation 19 my ward is impacted by both ends of these roads, the M11, just two lanes from junction 8 north to junction 9, and there is no access north at junction 9. At one end, we have Stansted Airport with its potential to dramatically increase passenger numbers, and at the other end, North Uttlesford Garden Community. Both will have a huge impact on this motorway, and we all know this regularly falls over and is often shut. This is the longest stretch of motorway without an exit in the country. This then pushes all the traffic onto the B1383 down through Great Chesterford, Little Chesterford, Littlebury, Wendon and onwards towards Stansted. Promises that this will be dealt with later are no good to this community and to ignore the problem is not acceptable to me or to the residents I represent. However, I said that last week, um, just reminding you all, um, 
But in January, Great Chesterford Parish Council gave a great deal of thought to SP7 and passed our version on to UDC. And I really do appreciate that some of our red lines have been adapted and merged into Regulation 19, and I thank our officers for this. There are, however, some key things still not dealt with. I've spent quite some time today with Stephen Miles and gone through many of my concerns, so I won't bring them all up here, because I hope that... Um, some of those that we discussed will be dealt with in the final version of this draft Regulation 19 document. But we do need clear protection of the scheduled ancient monuments. We need it clearly stated what will be done about schools, especially secondary schools, as we already have children bust past the county high and on to Newport. Adding even a small number of extra secondary aged children without a new school will have a negative impact on both the new community and the existing villages and I do believe this should be one of the key items that is in um, SP7. Going back to the roads again, we asked for traffic mitigation measures prior to any occupation of the new dwellings including a comprehensive strategy to minimise vehicular traffic into Great Chesterford Station and on into Saffron Walden Town. This again is not included. We asked for further access routes out of the new town, not just Field Farm Drive. This is an absolute must. Where else do you have a town of this size with only one proper entrance and exit? We asked for a clear buffer zone to protect the existing villages, in particular the triangle between Great Chesterford and Stumps Cross. This is still not here. Why can that area of search not be redrawn to give this clear buffer and assure our residents that we are taking their concerns seriously? Officers have Great Chesterford Parish Council's red lines and I have highlighted some of the ones that are most important, of, of most concern to me here this evening. And, I, and the others, I, as I mentioned, I have discussed with Mr Miles. Can I have agreement that these will be looked at again and the wording of this Regulation 19 strengthened where possible? There were 11 points in our SP7 version and some have made it and some have not. But if, if not, can we have a written explanation to the parish councils? Why not? Or how have they been altered to, so that our residents can understand how we got to this draft uh, SP7 of Regulation 19. So I think communication with the parishes is absolutely essential. Um, so I would appreciate if we could have those things sent to them. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, you raised the M11 uh, last week and I gave a response and I'll give the same response because some may not uh, have been there last week. Um, the dialogue with Highways England, which is very much ongoing, which included our local Member of Parliament, is that Highways England are looking seriously at creating a smart motorway. Smart motorway basically means you use the hard shoulder, but it would convert it into a three-lane motorway uh, in the shorter term. Uh, those, obviously, those discussions uh, are very much ongoing and very, um, very particular. Uh, the, the closure of the M11, um, we absolutely understand the point you're making and, and, and we, we, we see it when it happens uh, because the pressure on the 1383 is huge but with respect I, I think that is a different issue to the, the new development. As far as um, your points and thank you for recognition that um, you know, at 
they had all been carefully considered and, and where possible included and I'll let officers decide whether they can uh, uh, comment further in line with, with, with your comments. But secondary school, as you will, you will have read in SP7, there is a secondary school proposed. Um, and I think your point was more the when than whether there will be one. And uh, it, it, in each of the new garden communities, when, whether it's schools, health centres, community facilities, is, is, a, is an absolutely key part of the whole equation. Uh, if they come uh, too late, then clearly uh, uh, we have a problem. And similarly, if they come too early, we have a bit of a problem as well. So... Um, uh, further access, uh, acutely aware of that point, um, and buffer zones is an ongoing discussion. Uh, there is a buffer zone, but uh, obviously the dialogue with the local community in terms of uh, whether it's uh, sufficient is, is absolutely appropriate. But I repeat the point I made earlier about DPD. Do not underestimate DPDs. They are crucial. There will be very much uh, engagement with the local community to talk just about the sort of things that uh, you've covered, Councillor Redfern. Um, and the full recognition, obviously, of the ancient monuments, both the Iron Age as well as the uh, Roman uh, ancient monuments in the area. So thank you very much indeed. Um, I'm now going to ask, uh, well actually I'm not because there are some action points from last time which is item two on our agenda. There were eight action points from the meeting but on the basis that the meeting was uh, only one week ago uh, we haven't uh, obviously got responses to them. Um, I think um, they have been circulated certainly to members of the, um, uh, of the group. Um, I'll read them out if that would be helpful. Respond, respond to Councillor Barker's question as to how the employment split figures had been calculated. Two, respond in writing to questions submitted by public speakers which were not answered at the meeting. Three, respond in writing to Councillor Lodge about issues raised regarding the water cycle study. Number four, note the importance of protecting new communities in terms of where cars would travel. Number five, liaise with Councillor Davis about the capacity of the national grid in relation to electric charging points. And you'll see that's it been written into the... Um, Regulation 19 document. Respond in writing to Councillor Dean about concerns raised regarding the Eastons of Eastern Lodge, very much covered in, in the document, as you will have seen. Troy planning to liaise with White Young Green about transport infrastructure within Saffron Walden over the local plan period. And finally, number eight, respond to Councillor Barker and um, Mrs Merrifield in writing with regards to parking issues at Hatfield Forest. So those were the issues raised. There will be full responses as soon as we can. You'll appreciate, obviously, that we are... Uh, going through a busy period, but within uh, two weeks you'll get a response to those action, um, those action points. So if you're content, Councillor Lodge. Thank you. Can I just do a clarification on seven, please? And it pro probably pops up elsewhere, but it's a good time to take it here now. We had a... Um, it, it goes back to an Essex Highways verdict from about a year, 18 months ago, which gave a limit to the house, the extra housing, particularly to the east of... Saffron Walden. I've mentioned this to officers on a number of times. We still haven't come back with a clear picture of how that fits in with the allocations and with existing permissions. So um, it's a, a, a pretty important factor for development in Saffron Walden. I just wonder when we're going to get that clarification in particular, never mind the, the bigger strategy. An officer want to pick that point up? I think, isn't there a, there's a meeting next week, potentially, well, with, 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 with highways? Just some of the details on that. In terms yeah. of the actual details, 
Do you mean a more detailed transport and air quality study? No, it was going back to the, um, the, the paper from uh, Essex Highways which said that there was a limit of 150 further houses to the east of Saffron Walden. Now, we arguably, we've already gone over that and yet there are even more in the, uh, in the allocation. So, I, I, and I would like to see clarification. That okay, we can clarify we've only that. We've got with 19 it. days left. Yeah, we can clarify that, but I'm fairly confident that they were talking about the triangle between Rabwinter Road and Saxted Road, 150, which is what is in the draft local plan, but we can clarify that point. Anything else? Okay, in which case we'll move on to item three, uh, which is um, to consider uh, the Regulation 19 pre-submission and a, um, a presentation um, by officers just to put the thing in context, but I will remind the group and um, those in the room what the recommendation is that we must conclude by the end of the meeting. That planning policy working group being satisfied that the preparation of the local plan has complied with the relevant regulatory requirements and being of the view that the Regulation 19 local plan document is ready for submission to government for independent examination recommends to Cabinet that the Regulation 19 pre-submission local plan be published in accordance with the Town and Country Planning brackets local planning brackets England Regulation 2012. Okay, thank you very much. Councillor Barker. Uh, could I just add that some of you who have read these documents in detail will realise there are some typographic errors and there are some issues in there which we are trying as far as we can to tidy up before next week. A lot of the page headers, for example, are wrong and you know, we haven't got the maps attached to the description of sites, but you know, it's, 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 we, we have to decide whether we're going in the right direction and if we can send this out, but it, it won't look exactly like this next week. Thank you. Okay, so just to remind everybody that uh, this um, um, pre-submission goes to Cabinet on the 12th of June and then to full Council on the 19th of June. Councillor Barker is right, there will be iteration. Clearly there might be some comments that come out of tonight and um, the thing will be uh, by the 19th of June, word perfect. Okay, uh, I think it's Mr Miles who's going to speak, is it? Yep, thank you Mr Miles. Thank you Chair. Um, Yes, you're, you're right, Councillor Barker. There are a number of um, typographical errors and formatting things which still need to be fixed. We're working through these at the moment um, and we'll be looking to get a, a, a cleaner version to, to Cabinet on, for the 12th. Um, I'd just also like to take this opportunity to mention the fact that there is a couple of slightly more substantive changes which have been circulated regarding further amendments to SP11 for clarification. Um, everyone should have a copy of that, I hope. I can, ooh, I can get it up on screen as well. Um, so um, this is just a, a say minor editing to clarify what was meant in the policy, but in, um, in reading the policy over the last week, we, we didn't think it was quite right, and so we are proposing to insert the text in, which is highlighted in yellow on the screen uh, and remove the text that is struck through and highlighted in blue on the screen. Um, just wanted to mention that, given we're mentioning formatting changes as well. So on to the presentation, if 
I think it would be helpful just to read out uh, the final words, actually, because it's quite difficult to read for the back of the room, I would imagine. Yes, thank you, Chair. So to read out the new text as proposed, this is, only, this is two paragraphs within SP11 under the heading Access to London Stansted Airport, um, and the new wording goes. Access to London Stansted Airport's... Oh. Uh, apologies. <laughs> Access to London Stansted Airport. No, London Stansted Airport. Oh, we got that twice. That's why. Yeah, sorry. London Stansted's role. London Stansted Airport's role as a national, regional, and local transport interchange will be maintained. The necessary local and strategic transport infrastructure and rail, coach, bus service pedestrian and cycle capacity to accommodate the passenger and employee trips and other journeys via connections at the airport must be maintained and enhanced. An integrated approach must be demonstrated within the framework of a surface access strategy. So the purpose of adding in that new text there is to um, give a bit more clarity on the fact that it's a local transport interchange which is mentioned already in, in the text in the policy and just that um, in addition to accommodating passengers and employees, it must look at other people who use it as in the form of a local transport interchange. The second paragraph, I'll, I'll read out in full now. To assist development of new rapid transit options between the airport and new and existing communities, land will be safeguarded to allow access at the terminal to deliver access at the terminal, full stop. To deliver this objective, the Council will seek financial, financial contributions from the airport operator. So the amends here are inserting the word new instead of more flexible, because it's the rapid transit that we're looking at, the rapid transit options that we're looking at around Stansted are, are new options. Um, and then making clear that we're linking to new and existing communities, because just to show, talk about where it's going. And then the deletions of text are just for, again, for clarity and to make it read well. So I'll now start the presentation. So start off just a little bit of background on how we've got to where we are today. Um, work on the local plan started back in 2015. There was an issues and options consultation, which at a very high level um, looked at the, the issues that faced the district and options with how to deal on how to deal with those uh, issues. Um, back in March 2016, uh, the decision was taken at full council to move forward with a, a new settlement or new settlements uh, and in July uh, the hybrid strategy was agreed. Uh, this was followed by an interim appraisal of new settlement options in October of 16 um, and the identification and assessment of different alternative options followed by regulation 18 consultation last year. I realise I've skimmed through quite a lot of subjects there in, in quite a lot of detail. You will note that one of the uh, reports that you have before you today goes into a lot more detail, the spatial options paper. 
With the Regulation 18 consultation, we received nearly 6,000 representations from over 2,000 people and organisations, commissioned a lot of new evidence to address the issues that, were, that arose, um, and PPWG has seen much of this evidence at last week's um, meeting and back in April. Um, so, what is in the plan and how does that compare with nearby districts? The housing requirement in the Regulation 19 local plan is 14,000 homes. Um, so, to address the point uh, raised by one of the speakers, it is not 14,100 anymore, it is now 14,000. This is following um, a discussion with uh, one of our lawyers about what the appropriate housing requirement is to go for. Um, and it was, um, he said we should be going for the latest housing requirement published in the 2017 Schmar, which is 13,300, not the 14,100. However, in then following up that advice, um, we, we spoke with um, ORS, the people who did the Schmar, and they told us that the 13,300 figure doesn't include a, a figure for communal establishments. That figure for communal establishments is around 500 homes. Uh, it also doesn't account of taking into account the latest um, findings from the East Hearts examination, which amended the market signals uplift from 13.63% to 14%. Taking into account those two factors, the the slightly amended market signals uplift and the communal establishments, that takes our OAN to 13,880. Um, we've then built in an element of robustness into the, uh, into the requirement to take account of the fact that the OAN figure fluctuates and, um, yes, to build in an element of robustness. And so that's then been uplifted from 13,880 to 14,000. So, now, Comparing with other districts, um, you'll see from the, the figures up on the screen that uh, Uttlesford is not alone in having to plan for high levels of housing growth. Um, the highest of our, of our surrounding authorities, uh, of our surrounding authorities with the highest figure, that is South Cairns, who have a housing requirement of 19,500. Um, the lowest of our uh, surrounding authorities, Epping Forest, which has a housing requirement of 11,400. As you can see, the, at a high level kind of comparison, just not between the housing requirement, but also between the level of Greenbelt, uh, Uttlesford has a relatively low amount of Greenbelt compared with our neighbouring authorities. The only one with lower percentage of Greenbelt is Braintree. And then in terms of where we are in the plan, planning preparation process, uh, we are slightly behind Chelmsford and Epping Forest in that they have completed their Regulation 19 consultation. Um, the other three authorities are all at examination uh, at various stages. So, what's in the Regulation 19 uh, document? The hybrid strategy that was consulted on back at Regulation 18 remains the uh, strategy that we think is appropriate to plan for. And indeed, the, the, at a strategic level, there aren't huge differences between the Regulation 19 local plan and the Regulation 18 local plan. Um, 
there are some new sites proposed within the Regulation 19 plan which weren't at Reg 18. Um, this is to assist with the five-year land supply uh, and also to provide an overall buffer against the requirement. Um, one of the speakers mentioned about the five-year land supply being nearly six years. That's correct. Um, using a step trajectory and um, the, Liverpool method, the Liverpool method for calculation and a 5% buffer, uh, we do have a 5.98-year housing land supply. However, um, we had a recent visit from an inspector who advised us that while we will be able to fix the Liverpool methodology for calculating five-year land supply within the plan, we would not be able to fix the buffer. Uh, he advised us that it would also be advi advisable, advisable to demonstrate a five-year land supply under a 20% buffer under the Liverpool uh, methodology. So while the plan, we're arguing for 5% in Liverpool, uh, and we can, and if we win that argument, we can demonstrate nearly six years. If we lose the buffer, if we lose the argument on the buffer, or if circumstances change in the future, then our five-year land supply is only 5.23 years, not 5.98. Uh, other changes we've sought to include the garden community principles within the policy text, um, and we've also sought to include a greater level of detail within the garden community policy text. Um, addressing the evidence base that we have commissioned. And, uh, as has already been said, we are looking to produce development plan documents um, to, guide the to guide the garden communities. The choice at Regulation 18 was to go for supplementary planning documents or development plan documents. Uh, DPDs uh, write, allow the Council to write new policy um, allow us to go into further detail. They allow for multiple stages of consultation and a further examination in public. While they take longer and more resources to produce, we consider that the increased public engagement and scrutiny and the ability to uh, continue to write detail into policy is worth that, that cost. So the options before PPWG tonight um, you can recommend the plan to Cabinet, as is. You are able to recommend, uh, the cabinet, recommend Cabinet considers changes to the plan, or you can not recommend the plan to Cabinet. Uh, the risks of the Council not progressing with the plan uh, are intervention from Government. Government's recently written to 15 authorities uh, who they felt were not progressing their plan quickly enough. Uh, three of those authorities were not able to um, satisfactorily respond to the government's request for, for reasons why and they followed that up with, with visits um, to further, in, further work out what's going on. Um, and another substantial risk is around the standardised methodology for calculating housing need. Um, the indicative requirement that was included in the consultation back in September of last year included a requirement for Uttlesford of 16,200 homes. Um, if we submit the plan within six months of publication of the MPPF, then we are able to uh, avoid using the standardised methodology, however. Um, 
Just quickly to also mention one of the papers you have today before you is the whole plan viability study update. Um, we, gave a sh uh, we had consultants uh, last week give a short update on this and we promised a more detailed update which you have in the form of the pa papers before you. Uh, the slide up there basically sets out the requirements of the whole plan viability study uh, as set out in the NPPF, um, which is testing the, the policies in the plan um, against the, the, the build costs of development and making sure that they, the policies are deliverable. Um, and this is the process that's been gone through. Uh, we have, when, when, for when we get to this uh, item later, we have consultants here to help answer questions as well. We're expecting the final report in the coming week or so, and it should be ready for full, will be ready for full council. Uh, and just to um, remind you all of the next steps, PBWG tonight can recommend to Cabinet, Cabinet recommend to full council, which will then recommend for consultation or not. Should the plan go out to consultation, uh, we're planning consultation to start on the 25th of June, go through to the 13th of August. This is seven weeks rather than the usual or the statutory minimum of six weeks, recognising the fact that it does stretch into the summer holidays. We'll consider the representations before submitting to the Secretary of State by the end of October. We're then in uh, the planning inspectorate's hands and we hope for um, the hearings to commence early in 2019 and all going well, adopting uh, in autumn of 2019. I think that's the last slide. Yes. So comments from the group um, on what you've just heard, because as I say, we will go through the relevant chapters um, in due course. Councillor Lodge. Yeah, this is specifically on the, on the presentation. And again, going back to the numbers and in the, uh, the Ministry for Moving Targets, we, uh, we, uh, we had a submission last week from the ONS which reduced the population forecast from the district from 106,000 to 101,500. Um, that, uh, that, that, that could help us with the numbers if that is valid and factored in. How do we propose to deal with that, I wonder? Is Mr. Miles going to take that one? Thank you, Chair. Yes, the sub national population projections came out last week and did indicate or appear to indicate a lower population growth uh, to 2033. Uh, my very rough looking at the figures, it appeared to be between 2016 and 2033 around 4,200-ish lower. Um, we at this point don't know what that means for the household projections though. Um, ONS will be releasing the household projections in September of this year um, and it's the household projections which feed into any, any Schmar update. Um, now it takes ONS four months to get from the population projections to the household projections and that's because it's quite, I'm not a demographer so I, I can't comment on how complicated it is other than to say it looks very complicated to me. Um, Part of the reason, or part of my understanding of the reason for that, is you can't just look at an increase in population and assume that that leads to, say, 2.4 people per household. The increase in population would, would depend on the ages of the population, the marital status of the population, uh, in terms of uh, that feeding into a, a level of household need. Also, the household 
projections don't just take into account uh, the subnational population projections, they also take into account new, other new evidence such as um, new mid-year estimates uh, and also a data feeding through from the labour something survey, well, some, a labour survey. Um, I'm not quite sure how that feeds through, but uh, it, it, my, my point is it's, it's quite a complicated formula and we, we can't automatically, we can't, we don't know what the implications are. Could I just come back for a second and, and wonder how we deal with it? Even, even uh, using my very simplistic approach, we're not going to cram more than about two and a half people into, into a house, and it looks significantly less than that. This rather looks as though it could re reduce the numbers by 2,000 homes, and that really could be significant. I hear about your timings. Um, can we do anything about it? Are we going to just shrug our shoulders here and say, we haven't got it, we wait, and... Uh, uh, proceed on, on what may be a, uh, an unreasonably high number? Well, the latest information we have is the 2014 household projections uh, in advance of the 2016 household projections we, well, we, we don't know what they're going to say um, there are as, as I set out there are serious delay uh, serious issues around delaying the plan uh, relating to government intervention and potentially higher housing targets. The, the standardised methodology remains largely unchanged from what was consulted back in uh, September. While the household projections are one input into that, the other one is a, an affordability, uh, an, in, an increase in the housing requirement resulting from affordability issues. Um, and we're in a similar position there. We don't know how that will turn out because we don't know what the new household projections will say. So it's a tricky one because um, these, these, you know, they're continually getting um, predictions, as you know, Councillor Lodge, and uh, we've already heard how the, how the numbers have moved. And we can't, well, the one thing we can't do is wait because we know the deadline and um, we'd be pushed to a higher figure if we did wait. So um, we need, we, we, we should get an answer in September and I think uh, if it is substantive and there's a pretty big if around that, then we'll have to consider that at the time. We won't have submitted our plan to the inspector by that, at that time. But I think it's, it, you can only go with the last piece of information uh, because otherwise we, we would never produce a plan and we'll face the consequences. Yeah, we just stay hopeful that we may be able to change it later. I suppose. Yeah, I, I, that, I yeah. think that's a fair comment. But I don't, I don't think we should make any assumptions at this time uh, to, uh, until we've got clarification about how the link of, of population numbers relates through to, to houses, as uh, Mr. Mars has explained. Uh, uh, Councillor Dean and Councillor Barker. My, my question is also on numbers, the number that's on the board there, the 16,200 that we're... Um, doing our best to avoid having to grapple with in the short term. Um, does that include the buffering arrangement or is that something that's not been uh, worked out yet? In other words, you start off with 16,200 and then you look at your five-year land supply and you look at uh, the buffers, etc. And do you actually end up with a higher number than that? 
I think uh, I'll ask Mr Mars to comment or whichever officer wants to comment, but I think it's a bit cruder than that, to be honest with you. Um, the government has got a commitment to build uh, uh, 3 million homes, as you know, over 10 years, 300,000 uh, a year. Uh, it's done a calculation in terms of uh, where those might go. There's some illogical conclusions to that calculation, like zero development in some parts of the country and excessive development in other parts. So, uh, as you know, they're out to consultation and are going to return. But I think, I think um, the underlying principle of the calculation is that uh, they, would, they would be looking for, for faster growth than the numbers we're basing our houses on. We're fine as long as we keep the pace going. If we don't keep the pace, and uh, we, we then are subject to the calculation. The calculation will come in. There will come a time when local plans will be based on, on, on a government calculation. There's some merit in that because... We've, we've had endless discussions, Mr Young is with us th th this evening, um, about how you reach the calculation. If, if, if the government came up and said the number is X, you know, at least we, we understand where, where we stand. However, let's, let's go with the lower figure. But I wouldn't worry too much about um, how the calculation is reached. Obviously, when they release the new MPPF, they're going to release the details of how they reach the figure. Is there anything to add to that, Mr Miles? Just uh, one point. The, the standardised methodology does not include any, any buffer. That would be the requirement, and then we would, well, we would want to make sure that we could demonstrate meeting that requirement, and therefore, yes, some kind of buffer would help with that. Uh, Councillor Parker. Thank you. Uh, Mr Miles, one thing you didn't point out there was that uh, between us adopting the plan and the inspector's examination, the inspector would be likely to suggest some modifications um, from our neighbours who've had their Regulation 19 adopted. Are you aware of what sort of modifications have been sought by inspectors? Uh, the modifications will vary to the circumstances of the authority. So some examples of modifications. The 13.63% um, the market signals uplift in, and moving to the 14% signals mark. 14% market signals uplift is a modification which was uh, recommended by the inspector to East Hearts in order to make their plan sound. Um, other mods that have been consulted on could include new sites. Um, if people making representations um, either against, or for, against existing sites in the plan or for new sites in the plan and are able to persuade the inspector then those would be the kind of things that would be, would be consulted on. Um, it, it, it could be anything, okay, but hopefully as little as possible. <laughs> Councillor Lees. Mine is very simplistic, actually. Um, is there any way that we can increase the consultation time so it start, finishes in September? I know that we're going to be following regulations by doing it for, for so many weeks' period, but this is a huge change for this district. I don't think the public care for it to be over the school holidays. I don't think there's anything wrong with conceding a couple of extra weeks. I think it looks willing, and I'm not sure why we shouldn't. And secondly, it's this simple. A lot of people that have been reading this document and want to print it out have asked, could we have a printer-friendly version? Because they don't care to have all the colour print uh, off their printer with all the headlines. It's very simple, but if we could, when we put it on for consultation, put it that it's much easier to print for the public, that would be helpful. 
The consultation will be a lot simpler, um, and I'm sure they're not going to be printing out 1,100 pages. That, uh, yeah, yeah, no, no, no. Or, or the, the, the consultation will be much clearer and uh, obviously very readable. In terms of the period, you've seen the timetable. Uh, we are on a treadmill here, and we've put in the extra week to take account of the time. There is never a good time. Uh, we've, we've, we've had consultations over Christmas. Somebody mentioned that uh, this is half-term week. Why have we got a meeting in half-term week? I mean, you know, with due respect, life carries on, and seven weeks uh, is long enough to make a comment, and nobody goes on holiday for seven weeks. Um, well, if they do, uh, good luck to them. Any other, any other questions? Okay, then what I propose to do now then uh, is to go through the chapters if, that's, if, if colleagues are content with that way of approach. So if you go across now to your uh, document that's got the green front on it and um, it has a forward which is going to be rewritten. Um, we won't ask you in public, um, Councillor Lodge, whether you want to put your name to it this time. We'll take that offline. Um, but if uh, there's any comment on uh, Chapter 2, which is the Spatial Sport Portrait, Vision and Objectives, uh, let's comment on that. And maybe actually we'll take... Um, no, we won't. Spatial Strategy, Item 3 is a long chapter. So we'll just take Chapter 2 at this stage. Of course I can. Yeah, this is, this is page 33 through to 41. Councillor Lodge. Sorry, Sorry just before, before we got there, there is, of course, there's the, there's the introduction to the, which we, which we haven't quite covered, and I just have one um, comment on that, which is on page 8. On the other paper. On the other paper. Well, it's, not, it's page eight of the overall document, which, yeah. is, which is the introduction of the, the, yeah. do, the document yeah. we didn't actually cover. Uh, page eight, and it's paragraph 14, and it talks about there being a potential for an east-west rapid transport uh, scheme linking Eastern Park and, and so on. Um, I just wonder whether that, that really ought to be there in that, that, um, that, it, that is rather speculative and we really have little evidence to show that that can or will be there. It doesn't, doesn't seem to be appropriate for that introduction. I'll ask um, Mr. Miles to comment on that, but we are particularly keen that there is an east-west uh, rapid very transport well. route. Uh, you've already heard the, the, the uh, references to um, Eastern Park into Stansted Airport, which is, which is, a, which is a key element. Um, clearly, the opportunity to take that both west and east is something that we'll work hard on. So, I don't know why we'd take it out. Mr. Miles, do you want to comment on that? Uh, it is an important element of the plan that we're seeking to deliver through policy. I, I, I think it's appropriate to highlight within the committee report um, such, a, such a project. If we're looking fundamentally at, at, at what we're producing here, we're supposed to have the appropriate evidence for it. I mean, the, 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 there is no funding for it at the moment. It is speculation, and uh, it seems as though we are um, maybe going down the road of, of misleading any reader of this document. I mean, obviously, the potential funding from a garden community uh, and all that entails would be substantive funding. Um, there would potentially be other options from other bodies. Um, 
Well, just let's look at the words. We, we, we certainly don't want to be misleading, but I, I want to keep in, you know, pr pretty hard drive for this because it would be hugely beneficial to the whole sustainable transport model. And there are elements of it that are an absolute must and other elements that are an aspiration. Mr. Harbour wishes to comment. Sorry. One of the important functions of a local plan is to provide a basis for seeking external resources. So for that reason, I would suggest that it does need to be kept. Okay. Councillor Dean. Yeah, I mean, first of all, the sentence says potential, so it doesn't, you know, in other words, it's looking forward and clearly it's not yet buttoned down. I, I think it should stay. And what I would like to say on this is that the, there is reference in various parts of the whole document to this. Sometimes it mentions Bishop Stortford, sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it mentions Great Dunmow Town Centre and other things. There is a lack of consistency throughout the document and I would like that to be looked at before it's published again such that one, we are um, aiming to sort out outside our own district. We, we talk a lot about the um, transport issues north of the district into Cambridgeshire and I think we should give equal weight to the impact that we are likely to have on Hertfordshire and Bishop Stortford. So I, I, I do think that we should be consistent in, in how we present it and that uh, Hertfordshire is part of the A120 corridor, Bishop Stortford in particular. Yeah, I think that's a perfectly legitimate point. We, we have consistency through the paper, Alistair, if you can just mention that as an action. So just um, staying on that... Um, so in page numbers, this is 5 through to um, 23. Um, any other questions on that before we go to the substantive report? Okay, so back, back to page 33 then, spatial portrait vision and objectives. Any comments on that? In which case we we'll go to chapter 3, which is the spatial strategy, um, which there's been some quite substantive uh, changes, um, and we've heard a number of the... So this takes you up to page uh, 93, where we go into sustainable development principles. So I'm, I'm looking from page 41 to 93, Councillor Dean. I'm on, um, I'm on page 66. Um, bear with me a second. I'm, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at paragraph 5. I've already made um, reference to this just now. For instance, it talks about transport linked to Stansted Airport and mm. beyond. So that's where I'm talking about inconsistencies to show what we're talking about talking about, Let, let's try and be consistent throughout it, but beyond that um, paragraph 7 um, which is talking about transport mitigation r road mitigation if I, if I compare that with the equivalent for um, bear with me, I, I, have to, I have to go to the next document um, equivalent for North Uttlesford. Um, it's, it's significantly more detailed. 
And I'm trying to I'm trying to work out which uh, paragraph it is. It's paragraph 5.6. North Atlantic is SP7. It's, it's, in a, it's in SP7. Is there a, five, a 6 or a 5.6? Um, no, I'm looking at 5. Where it's talking about mitigation in SP7. Yep. Which uh, starts on page 69. It's, it's, yeah, but I think it's... Uh, I'm sorry about this. I thought I had it a minute ago and now I've lost it. Oh, it's paragraph 6, I think, on page 72. Yep. It goes into quite a bit of detail about mitigation in Cambridgeshire. There's very little uh, regarding Eastern Park and it mentions the A120, which is a trunk road, and it mentions the M11. It doesn't mention anything about you know, the old A120 and anything else. It just makes me feel as though not as much attention has been given to that area as, as has been given to, um, to, to North Uttlesford. And, and, and that comes back to my point about Bishop Stortford as well, because you know, yep. they're concerned about being inundated at Hockle traffic lights, for, yep. for one thing. So uh, I'd just uh, like you, it to be looked at to see that we're, you know, we're not imbalancing the way we present. No, I think that's a very legitimate point, and we've included that, the B1256, yeah? yeah. So, um, and, and I think the same comment will be made uh, for West of Braintree um, in terms of uh, some of the local roads to that to spell out in great detail the impact. I, th I think, we General, that one we do need to, to mention Felstead and the potential for traffic. And Felstead, indeed. Yeah, I think these, these, that point came, oh, came up last time, I so, yeah, thank you for that. that. Okay, we're still on um, spatial strategy, chapter three. Uh, yes, I've got, I've got. There is no reference in, uh, in, in SP. Sorry, Councillor Dean, are you still? Yeah. Do you want me to say something while you're looking? You for carry your... on while I. Okay. Find so um, SP7 North Uttlesford. Um, there is no particular reference to a cycle path which I believe was, um, has been part of the ongoing dialogue and I think should be included. I don't know if you want to comment on that, uh, Mr. Mars. Um, Paragraph 5 of, the, um, of, the, of SP7, the final sentence says uh, a network of direct, high-quality, safe walking and cycling routes will also be provided to enhance permeability within the site and to access nearby employment areas, transport hubs and communities. Yeah, there, there has been a specific indication and discussions had about linking the uh, Cambridge cycle path that goes from Cambridge to Hinkston uh, and then on the Essex border dies horribly. Although it has been resurrected for 120 yards um, on the London Road in Great Chesterford. Uh, but we'd like that to continue now through to Saffron Walden. We, yeah, we, can, um, we can look to be a bit more specific uh, on, on those cycle routes. 
I mean, the, the, the other point is it does obviously is a, is a sensitive area in terms of sustainable, and, and we're not just talking North Chesterford, North Uttlesford now, um, but sustainable uh, transport in terms of uh, the ability to get people uh, into uh, buses, particularly. I don't, you know, the cycling and the walking bit is fine, but uh, uh, some of that is not realistic to get to work. But in terms of the linking with railway stations, is is well covered, I think, but a very sensitive point for. Uh, all of the developments, but if you could look at that particularly for North Uttlesford, Councillor Dean and then Councillor Barker. I'm on um, page 67 and I'm at paragraph 9 which is about water. It's uh, three and a half lines. If I look at the equivalent paragraph on page 77 for West of Braintree, it's got all sorts of wonderful things uh, that don't appear. Uh, either at Eastern Park or, for that matter, at North Uttlesford. And I'm wondering why uh, West of Braintree requires special treatment for things like 21st century approaches and uh, da-de-da-de-da. I was the same issue, Chairman, about Greywater. Who would like to pick up that one? Uh, I can do that. Okay. Thank you, Chair. Um, So we have... um, We've involved Braintree District Council in the uh, drafting of the West of Braintree policy and they have been feeding in um, uh, lessons from their examination into uh, the drafting of the policy text for West of Braintree, which is why there's a slight difference between the West of Braintree text and and the policies for the other two. But but if it's a good idea, why don't we want it at uh, Eastern Park and North Uttlesford? I would suggest we should, if it's a good thing. I mean, I'm not competent to comment. But. And uh, Professor Brown did refer to water supply. I, I know a study has been done, and I know we've read the report, and um, broadly uh, the, um, <coughs> they're content with both the supply as well as the, um, uh, the clearing. Uh, but I think it's a fair comment that we've got some consistent words, if we can. Okay. Councillor Lees, yep, Mike, please. Can I, I'd just like to clarify two things, really. One is um, on SP7, it says that 40% affordable homes and homes for older people, including residential care and nursing home accommodation. So can I just clarify, so residential care and nursing home accommodation, that comes within the 40% affordable housing. It's not separate. That's a fair question. Is, is residential care nursing homes part of the 40% affordable housing, or is that a separate entity of its own? If Mr. Harborough. Right, so uh, residential care nursing homes can cross the, um, the tenure boundary, so it, some of it will need to be affordable, but some of it can be market provision, so uh, the two are not, don't sit neatly as sets. That's something that needs to be worked through in more detail in due course. So to give you an example, the new extra care home uh, opposite Tesco in Saffron Walden is a mixture of market and um, shared ownership and um, supported. Uh, So that is the point. So some of it would be within that category. My concern, of course, is that um, we live in a very high-priced district, and so, as you know, I'm very keen on affordable ha- homes. 
Um, so if the nursing home comes under the affordable, that takes away from the affordability. That, that's all. So if I could just clarify a second. Yeah, okay. We, we understand that point, and uh, I think everybody around this table is absolutely committed that there will be a home for everybody on these new developments. My second point, if I may, is um, a big hand clap, if, if I can, for SB10, the protection of the countryside, which I think replaces the old one very well. Um, if I may ask, where you have, it's on page 84, where you have protect the best and most versatile land, could we add something like including grade one or two? Because, you know, in appeal, lawyers often ask about that, don't they? And by and large, we only have grade two here. I mean, it's an extra little something, but if we could, if that would be possible. Mr. Harborough. So, best and most versatile agricultural land is not just grade two. We don't have any grade one in the district. It also includes grade 3A. Okay. Is it possible to make that more specific or do you feel that that, that language is, is sufficient? Uh, it's the approach which is adopted in the National Planning Policy Framework, so I think it's probably sufficient. Yeah, I think it's covered. Councillor Parker. Thank you, Chairman. In, in the policies, we do refer to ultra-fast broadband, and I know we're getting there in Uttlesford, and it's great that these new communities will have ultra-fast broadband, but many people also like the 2G or 3G or 4G or 5G mobile phone signal, because that is what an awful lot of people work on. We don't appear to make any reference to that anywhere in this document about not just the garden communities, but about anywhere new that's being built. You go to Tesco's in Great Dumbo, no chance. I think this is a good observation. I don't know if officers want to comment on that. I think it's a fair observation. Yeah. Good. Councillor Dean. Thanks, Chairman. I'm on, still on page 69, um, or I'm at the top of page 69, paragraph 17. I've been going on uh, for some time now about the need for good pedestrian connectivity between new settlements and what exists around them. Um, I'm not sure that paragraph 17 really captures that. It talks about public rights of way, which more often than not are uh, footpaths across fields, and, and that's relevant, but of course it also can be pavement um, connections. And, and I'd, I'd like to see something in here which picks up the complaint that was made about uh, Camborne in, in Cambridgeshire where they, some of the surrounding villages were left isolated from the, the new place. That was partly because they didn't want anything to do with it and then discovered afterwards it wasn't a good idea to walk to the new facilities in, in Camborne. But the point I'm trying to make here is this says enhance the existing public rights of way network, but I think it's beyond that. It's really about providing pedestrian connectivity within and to the outside, and I, I've not seen that picked up anywhere, and, and words you, to that effect used anywhere. Okay, I'll let officers talk. I know um, a lot has been um, discussed, in, for example, in uh, the Eastern Park development in terms of the uh, pedestrian access to the older part of Little Eastern. Certainly for North Uttlesford, there's been discussion about going underneath the 184, so there's pedestrian cycle uh, connectivity uh, there. Um, and similarly, um, in, um, 
in west of Braintree. So, officers, do we, I absolutely understand what uh, Councillor Dean is saying here. Do we feel that we've um, emphasised this point sufficiently? So, I think that point is captured not within, within 17, which is particularly about public rights of way, as you say, um, but within paragraph or point five or page 67, where the final sentence again says, uh, and a network of direct safe walking and cycling routes to enhance permeability within the site and access to other nearby destinations, uh, in, including connections with improvements to the Flitchway. So it, this does talk about the walking uh, enhancement to the walking network to access nearby destinations, so not just public rights of way, but, but pavement access to nearby communities as well. Yeah, okay, I think I'll concede that one then. Thank you. Councillor Loughlin. Such a gentleman, thank you. Um, uh, yeah, I'm looking at pa um, page uh, 69, uh, paragraph 22, where it says the council will consider the use of compulsory purchase powers to facilitate delivery of the garden community where this cannot be achieved by agreement. Does this mean you're just going to go and pinch pieces of land willy-nilly? It takes quite a long time to, uh, uh, to start a compulsory purchase order. And uh, some of these communities are already going to use, lose uh, quite a lot of land. And obviously some people are very unhappy about that. Nobody's going to be uh, made even more happy, are they, by someone saying, we're going to have that piece, whether you like it or not. So uh, can we... Can you sort of do something about that so that doesn't happen? So this comment is absolutely fundamental to the whole model. So we are committed to garden community principles. If the developer doesn't come up with a plan that delivers garden community principles, then we will have to consider alternative ways of making it happen, which could be a development corporation, which entails compulsory purchase. So you're putting the onus on the developer, really, to come there's, up with there's land? There's no onus on the developer. Well, it sounds like it to me. Well, we are committed to garden community principles. I've sat here I know for that, the not last 18 months I'm making not, this I'm, point. I'm not disputing that. I'm just thinking there's a piece of land that somebody owns yep. uh, that they might like to hang on to but won't be able to They've put them because forward for of the plan. our garden community principles. They've put them forward for the plan based on garden community principles. So if you don't deliver on garden community principles, then there is a consequence. Well, I don't, I, I, I'm not happy about that. I don't I, know about but but I know that you are committed to garden community principles. And um, so, you know, it's not, it's not the time tonight to discuss the detail of this. But uh, we, 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 our options are absolutely open here. And it might well be that uh, we, we, we have an arrangement that you know, it is laid out and it's obviously got to be enforceably laid out. That's one of the sensitivities of the people in the room here today. Um, and so all we've said in this document is there are a number of different ways of making this happen. That's not what it says. Sorry. I think it does. Councillor Barker. I think we need to remember that every piece of land that is proposed, every site that is proposed here, has been put forward by a willing landowner or their agent. We haven't gone and picked up sites off a map. 
and we won't go and pick up any sites off a map and say, we're going to buy your bit of land. That is not the way it works, and it won't work. That's what I wanted to hear, but that's not what was said. Thank you. Okay, if there's any confusion, uh, Mr. Miles, perhaps we can just crystallise that. But, um, uh, yeah, yeah, that is absolutely. Councillor Barker has summarised it better than I did. Okay, any uh, Councillor Dean? I'm still on uh, Eastern Park, uh, and I'm on page, therefore still page 69. Um, there's no, as far as I can see, there is no specific reference in, in this policy to heritage. And yet if you go to page 73, and I think it's paragraph 13, this is talking about historic value landscape um, restoration of degraded landscape. There's, 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 there's more reference to heritage in this policy than there is in the Eastern Park one. Uh, and I, again, this is, I'm doing my balancing act or, or equalization act. Um, okay, there's, there's a very clear uh, reference uh, in, on page 68 and, and a clear reference to the gardens and to the country park. Um, and that, you know, there are aspirations to try to recreate uh, the 18th century park um, in terms of some of the um, arbitorum arrangements. Um, but Mr. Miles, do you want to comment on that? Thank you, Chair. Um, yeah, the uh, point 13 within the Eastern Park policy covers heritage assets. So that's the the kind of equivalent one to that was in North Uttersfield, implement measures to avoid and mitigate harm to the significance of heritage assets caused by the development both within and close to the site. Measures will include, and then there are uh, six sub-criteria A through to F, uh, which look to give further guidance to the development and the DPD. No, that's the point I was making, that uh, both 13, 14 and particularly 15 goes into a lot of... Um, detailed about heritage and, and Councillor uh, the Chairman Dean. is right to say that there is reference to the gardens of Eastern Lodge but I don't think it it, it, doesn't, it doesn't have that all encompassing set of policies I mean obviously you wouldn't have the same wording for North Huddlesford but I, mean, the I, I, don't, I don't think it doesn't come over to me as, as, as balanced enough and, and emphasising the uh, Okay I, I think your theme of, uh, of consistency across the three is, is, a, is a very good one um, obviously we don't have Iron Age and uh, Roman conditions at Eastern Park but we have, no, we, we have different conditions so we have something that was a very special park uh, in um, it's certainly around the 17th century uh, and, and through to uh, the, uh, well, the late 19th, 20th century. Um, so uh, we'll, we'll relook at that. And just while we're on this theme of consistency, you picked up the point about um, uh, cycle and walkways. And, and I don't think for West of Braintree we've perhaps emphasised it in the same way that uh, we did in the other two. So I'd be grateful if we could look at that as well. I think, Chairman, in answer to Councillor Dean's question, I think this has probably come about because Great Chesterford, uh, through Councillor Redfern and the Parish Council, has submitted a lot of specifics. It asked to be included in here. They have now been included in here, which makes it slightly fuller, if you like, than the Eastern Park and the Western Boundary sites. Well, I don't want to think uh, 
west of Braintree and um, Eastern Park haven't uh, put in their own red lines, which, to be fair, are, are, are also included in here. But I think, I think the point about consistency is, is one that we'll relook at. Okay, any other points? We're, we're uh, on, still on paragraph three at the moment. Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chair. You seem to be being a bit right-looking this evening, though, but uh, maybe that's not surprising. Well, I'm, I'm often right-looking. Um, I have, a, I have yeah. something of a, of a more strategic um, issue here, and, and what seems to be a bit of a, a contradiction. If we look at, I'm on page 63 uh, to start with. Which are the garden, garden city principles? And we did, we did cover this to a degree last time, but... I point you to eight where we, we should have strong cultural, recreational and shopping facilities in walkable, viable, scalable, so, sorry, yeah, sociable ne- uh, neighbourhoods. If, if we then have a look, uh, and this refers to a later section, but it's actually page uh, 146, we then, um, we then say that uh, and this is, this is the retail section, and we say at the bottom there, the presumption therefore is that new retail development is first provided in existing town centres with a preference to preserve their vitality and viability. That seems to me to be a, a direct contradiction, and certainly a direct contradiction of the way that I would see the important retail strategy working. Yep, I think that's a, f- a good comment. I'll ask officers to respond. I think what they're trying to achieve here is clearly that uh, the impact of a new settlement does not destroy the local community. Um, and, uh, but on the other hand, the other side of that is uh, to create a sustainable model. We're trying to, to you know, have enough shops, facilities and everything else so that people are happy to stay within the new, new communities. So it is a balance. Um, I don't know if officers want to comment. And, and clearly... Even in the last week, this is, this is, this is the, I guess, one of the challenges of producing a plan. Um, in, the, in the last week, there's been a lot of discussion about the high street, about retail. Will, will the high street be looking the same as it does now in even 15 years' time? Um, and the answer is probably not. So how do you predict that? Uh, will it be about shops? Will it be about something else? Um, but notwithstanding that, uh, officers, do you want to comment on, about this balance between keeping, up, you know, making the new communities attractive, but also uh, obviously enriching uh, the existing communities? Thank you, Chair. Um, so that is obviously the the objective that we're seeking to achieve here. Um, it is worth remembering that the size of the new communities by the end of the plan period will not be their, their full build-out. So North Huttlesford and Eastern Park will be just under 2,000 um, if, we stick to the, if they deliver to the trajectory, whereas Western Braintree would be just under 1,000. Nevertheless, I'm wondering if, uh, if we'd not got that quite right. Um, not wanting to rewrite it on the hoof, but I think it's something we should yeah, look at no, again. No, I think, think it would be helpful. I think we know what we're trying to achieve here. Councillor Lodgigan. I could just come back for a moment and sympathise. Those of us who went up to Alconbury will, uh, will remember that the developer there, whilst they got a lot of things right, were almost mystified about retail and how to do it. It's, uh, it is extremely difficult. We'll have to work hard, and uh, doing it in a development corporation would help massively. Councillor Dean. 
Reference has been made earlier to affordable housing and in each of the three policies SP6 to 8 there is reference to the 40% affordable. Um, what, what isn't mentioned anywhere are other are variants on that type of scheme such as community-led housing schemes with more, most, more social rents. Um, but there is reference in policy H6, which we aren't at yet, but I think it's relevant to mention it. It talks about uh, that there'll be a supplementary planning document on for, well, for, for housing. So my question is, bearing in mind that there is a group working in the background trying to address what the needs of the district are for the future, and Councillor Barker is a member of that. Um, and uh, is, is, this, is this where this would come forward in due course if there are new thoughts on the forms of social stroke affordable housing that, that we decide would be a good idea in due course? Yeah, I'll pass that to uh, Mr. Mars. But, but uh, even social housing at 80% market uh, rent is, is beyond the, uh, the, the reach of, of a number. And, and what we want to uh, achieve with the new communities is that uh, literally that we're catering for everybody. That is the real aspiration. As you know, we've had a couple of workshops on this subject. Mr. Miles. Thank you, Chair. Yes, the affordable housing SPD mentioned in policy H6 will look to provide further detail on um, uh, the type tenure, that, that kind of thing of affordable housing delivered within the district. Um, work hasn't commenced on that yet um, and, and will follow the plan. That, that's fine, thank you. Good. I don't see any more hands. I'm looking to my left as well as my right. Um, in which case, we... W right. Um, I think it's on page 75. Well, it starts on page 75. Um, West of Braintree. So, yeah, somewhere. I'll find it in a moment. I haven't got my paragraph. There's, um, there's a section on transport where, uh, and highways where references to places like uh, Essex Regiment Way and the impact on Braintree and rain have been struck out. Um, I, I just, I'd like to ask the background to that. Uh, and and my, my thought behind it is that, you know, I, I complained last week that there's been no thought or no reference in here to places like the B1383 through Newport and Stansted which are congested already and getting worse. We've taken out the fact that we're interested in um, Regiment Way in Chelmsford. Uh, so is that, is that an equalising exercise or are we forgetting all of the local network? I think this is an extension of the point that's already been raised. but. Um and clearly the local network is, is, is key. Do you want to comment, Mr. Mars? We, we have to make reference to all of this. Um, thank you, Chair. Just to say that, again, this is following um, comments from Braintree uh, District Council and their examination in public to their local plan um, and, and looking to uh, learn lessons from, from that with, with regard to the level of detail that's in, in appropriate in this policy and what's, uh, what's going to follow in later documents. Thank you. 
You happy with that? Clearly, it will be picked up in, in the DPD. Yeah, okay. Okay, um, if uh, we've finished Chapter 3, we'll move on to Chapter 4, which is the Sustainable Development Principles. What page are we beginning on? 93. No, no, I'm, I'm on page 88. Okay. Um, Stansted Airport. Right, that's fine. In um, 3135, it's actually in the the text, Um, 3135, I'm I'm concerned about the way we almost turn a a blind eye to carbon emissions from aviation, and there's a, a sentence at the end of 3135 which says the impact of emissions from aircraft are regulated through a series of international agreements and lie outside the remit of the planning system. Now, it's my understanding that there aren't any agreements in place, that, that the, the government has an aspiration for there to be international cooperation on that, but we can't claim something, if I'm correct, that doesn't exist. Uh, and, it, and it's almost as though we're doing that and saying, therefore, it's nothing to do with us. Uh, let, let's ignore it. Um, and you know, my view is that uh, just as there's a lot of text here about uh, climate change and, and carbon emissions from stuff on the ground that we build, uh, you, we should not be turning our blind eye to the aviation. I'm not saying how we should address it, but I don't, I don't think we should be making statements like that, which is my opinion, is misleading and actually wrong. Mr. Harper? Um, well, if you look in the MPPF, uh, what it suggests the purpose of the planning system uh, is in relation to controlling carbon emissions, it picks up all the elements. It does not say that uh, it's the purpose of the planning system to seek to control carbon emissions from, from aircraft. There are a series of international treaties. They might reflect aspirational targets rather than binding targets, but that is the way that the government has chosen nationally to seek to address its international obligations. I'd like us to take this offline well before the 19th of June, because to me this is a a fundamental matter, and particularly it's one that uh, featured very strongly back in 2006 um, when the a previous application came forward from the airport. So I think we need to bottom this out and, and make sure that we are being um, as rigorous as we ought to be on, on, a, on a matter which is of significant global importance, I suppose. Uh, because, you know, I mean, I mean, there's debates going on about the fact, well, if they get a third runway at... Uh, Heathrow, that will gobble up all the um, allocation for aviation's, UK's aviation production. So what, what does that do? How, do? how does it all knock on? And I, I recognise that it's not been sorted out by central government, but that doesn't mean to say that we, shouldn't, we should simply ignore it and pretend it doesn't exist. Okay, we'll take that offline. Thank you. Are you now content to move on to... Um Sustainable Development, point four, page 93. I've got 
one more, if okay. I might. It, it's also on, uh, on, on the airport. Um, there's reference somewhere, I'm not exactly sure where it is, um, about the fact that the, this council does not determine the night flights regime. Now, night flights are one of the things that upset um, residents in this district more than many other things. Um, that doesn't mean to say that this council can't have a clear policy on night flights and that when it comes to a review by the government of the night flights regime at some time in the future that we aren't clear what our stand on the matter is. When, when you put, when, when st and I, I can't remember where exactly it is, it's somewhere in here, there is a statement which more or less says, well, this has nothing to do with us, end of story. Well, it is to do with us because we are here to represent the interests of residents of the districts. So I would like that to be looked at so that we're, again, not giving things away that we, have a, we can have a position on even if the decision doesn't rest with this council at the end of the day. Mr. Harper? No, it's entirely appropriate for the council to have a position on night uh, noise restrictions and to lobby for uh, changes to the national arrangements to, uh, to achieve community objectives. Um, you can refer to that as sort of background information in the local plan, but the point is you can't use the local plan to uh, set new, tighter night noise restrictions. No, I accept that, but uh, I think the background information and the, and the text should at least say something to that effect, that we're not just uh, okay. lying back and letting it happen. No, that we will... That Clearly it's a significant issue to our community yeah. and that we will be uh, continuing to work with government. Okay, I think, I think finally we are moving on to Chapter 4, Sustainable Development Principles, starting at page 93. Any comments here? Councillor Davis. Yeah, just um, uh, H3.E. In the last meeting, we were talking about parking and provision of parking for, for houses. Um, we note here that the development would not have a detrimental effect on the character of the area by reason of on-street parking. But do, do we mention, and again, forgive me if I have missed it, just around the space for housing and parking of vehicles, because it's not just about flow of traffic, it's about when they're stationary. Are we, do we feel we're, we're kind of rigorous enough around, around that area? Mr. Miles, do you want to take them? So, um, skipping ahead. <laughs> um, chapter seven. Uh, seven deals with transport and policy uh, TA4 uh, refers to the vehicle parking standards. That's agenda page 163, um, which talks about development will be permitted where the number, design, location, size, and layout of vehicle parking spaces proposed is appropriate for the use and location as set out in the relevant parking standards approved by the council. If the proposal is use for which there is no relevant approved standard, the applicant will require to demonstrate the number of parking spaces being provided is appropriate for the use and location. 
Um, so that's that's the policy which talks a little bit more about it. I don't know if that's helpful. Yeah, it was just because it wasn't mentioned. It was just about on street parking in that area, so it was around not not um, affecting the. The, the, the local space as a result of that. So whether the, if those two connect to each other, then fine. They, they do. I mean, the reference in H3 is, uh, is, is talking about a particular issue regarding the subdivision of dwellings and, and uh, houses in multiple occupation and the issues that that can arise through um, increased numbers of people using the same property and, and potential increases in the number of cars being used as a result of that. And so that that particular point about on-street parking and, and not having a detrimental effect on the area uh, is, is attempting to address that issue. Councillor Barker, do you want to? Yes. And then Councillor Lachlan wants to talk. Yeah, I had picked it up. Yeah. Thank you, Chairman. Just a, a, a comment. First paragraph on page 96 talks about Carver Barracks. Now, several people certainly during this have asked me about Carver Barracks and where this fits into the equation. I know we've heard a couple of different dates of when Carver Barracks might close, but if I was an inspector and looking to make a modification, I might say there's this great big brownfield site in the middle of Saffron Walden, well, wherever, Uttlesford, that is going to become available. And I just think that that is a very, it gives no idea of the scale of the site, the location of the site. You know, it's sort of considering that whoever does the next plan will be looking at Carver Barracks. I don't think we're making very much of it. You know, that this is an X-acre brownfield site that has the potential to house another town the size of Saffron Walden. And I just wonder whether, you know, an inspector might just look at this and not know that it's planned for closure. Okay, we can certainly elaborate that paragraph. It's a, it's a fair point. I think, I think we need to... Um, I think there's a difference between elaborating that paragraph and raising all the points that you've just raised uh, and for it to have an impact on this plan because as we know uh, the last word from the Ministry of Defence is that it won't close until 2031 anything beyond that is speculation so we need to go on that rather like the numbers uh, until otherwise informed Councillor Lachlan Thank you, sorry I'm going back to page 93 uh, Sustainable Development Principles uh, and I wonder uh, you've got here reducing to an acceptable level any pollution and then uh, the paragraph below reducing to an acceptable level any impacts arising from known or potential contamination what's acceptable I mean if you're asthmatic any pollution is not acceptable so can we just say reducing pollution and reducing any impacts do we need to say to an acceptable level because I don't know, I don't know if I don't know what an acceptable level is, or how you define an acceptable level. Very important points, Mr. Miles. Thank you, Chair. Um, I don't think we should be amending it to just reducing uh, the pollution levels. That yeah, you could reduce it by a minuscule amount, and it could be nowhere near any acceptable level, however you define acceptable. Um, the the use of the term acceptable within this policy. It would be, so it is referring to guidance from um, our environmental health colleagues on, on defining, or, or the Environment Agency, or that, the, the experts in this area on, on pollution, contamination, and those kind of issues. They, they know that how many parts per milligram or, or, or whatever particular definition they use. We would rely on their expertise to, to say what an acceptable level is and then to ensure that pollution 
uh, and contamination was mitigated to that level. Sorry, can I come back on that? We're, they're now talking about um, uh, taxing um, cars that use diesel. Once upon a time, I have a diesel car myself. We've been told they were good. Now they're not. That may uh, well be with electric cars. So how can you define this, is go, this local plan is going to be running for quite some time. So how can you say that's acceptable now may not be acceptable when this local plan, plan comes to fruition? And I know that you say that environmental health, but most people don't know those, those figures. Environmental health may be experts. I'm not. The audience, I'm sure, isn't there? Might be somebody in the, the audience who is. And I, so I don't think that's, that's a very good statement. So are you looking for something like uh, government prescribed levels or something more specific? Well, well that's, yeah, I suppose. I don't know what I would say, but I don't think acceptable. it's acceptable. I, <laughs> yeah, government prescribed levels or whatever, now and in the future. I mean, we just can't, we just don't know. So okay. Could you change that to find a better way of putting it? Can we, we, can have a, we can have a think about it, including that. Okay, thank you. Yep, thanks for the point. I don't see any more hands on item four. Moving on to five. And I, I think probably now some of these we've, we have discussed previously. So we're now on employment land requirements. Um, page 119 um, but we obviously have discussed that in previous reports I don't know whether there's anything you wish to raise tonight on employment land a key element obviously of both the new communities and existing communities Predict planning for jobs I, in the future is a key element a, a question one of the um, proposed employment sites is the north side of the airport and I think in, in the specific policy it refers to a master plan or, or something or other. Presumably this pre, um, a bit like the next stage of DPD or whatever, that's the stage at which things like road access and uh, things will be looked at rather than having to be spelled out here. But I'd just like confirmation of that. In other words, that... We, we, but by, by agreeing the local plan which says that the north side of the airport can go ahead, we're not just, for instance, you know, letting massive pantechnicans charge down Church Road in Stansted and clog up the centre more than it is at the moment. In other words, it's what stage do we look at things like that? Okay. Could, um Obviously, the advantage of Northside is it's right beside the A120 and the M11, but I take your point, the traffic could come in from a different direction, so that would need to be mitigated. Thank you, Chair. Um, Northside or um, North, Standard North Stansted employment area is covered by policy SP11 um, earlier in, in the plan. One of the criteria which applies to all of the development, uh, all of the development proposals within SP11 is uh, incorporate suitable road access for vehicles, including any necessary improvements required as a result of the development, and demonstrate that the proposals do not adversely affect the adjoining highway network and will not lead to detriment to the amenity of the area and neighbouring occupiers. Thanks. That's fine. Anything else under Chapter 5, Employment? 
In which case, um, Councillor Lees? No? Okay, no, that's. I'm now moving on to uh, Chapter 6, Retail. We've uh, had some discussion about uh, retail. If there's anything else you wish to raise? I guess if you're predicting the future, then presumably uh, drop-off points. Um, if everything's going to be done through the internet, then it's got to be delivered somehow. Um, and maybe we should be planning a more efficient way of doing that. So perhaps we could give that some consideration because there will be increasing demand on deliveries and the idea of individual vans going to individual houses may not be the most efficient way of doing it. It's a drone port. There could well be drones. Do we have a policy on drones? Oh. I mean, yeah, I mean, some of this is speculation, but, 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 but this, is, this is a plan for the next uh, 20 years. I mean, we, the, the drones will be will be part of the solution. Councillor Oliver. That one's on. That is on. Chairman, one of the problems with retail is to look forward. If you go back 15 years and look at what the, 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 the high streets were then and what they are now, then you look forward another 15 years. We've got no idea what's going to happen and we cannot just swim against the tide and say what, what we had 15 years ago well, we can get back to. So th it is a huge speculation of what the retailer will be. Um, and the whole world of shopping has changed. And you go and look at into high streets now and to go to Bishop Stortford and they're mostly restaurants and, and coffee bars. What would it be in 15 years' time? I look back on my life. I, I was brought up in retail that, that business which was there no longer exists. Yep. And what will happen again? Will yep. send things. For us to speculate is almost impossible. No. Um, I think uh, a good point in, uh, cons consistently made by other colleagues. Um, I think the plan is taking account of that. I think what we're trying to do is to um, preserve existing high streets as best we can, to have facilities in new communities so that uh, in, in terms of unnecessary travel, but we, we, we must recognise the fact that uh, the high street will shrink in terms of shops. It might well take up other uses, as you say, recreation um, and, and, and social centres and things like that. Um, and um, you know, where possible, we have the, have the flexibility to be able to recognise that. But it will be different in 15 years uh, than it is today, just as today is different from 15 years ago. Clavering, we have a very good shop that is now under attack from the amount of vans that are, apply, are arriving in the village to deliver from Ocado, Waitrose, Tesco's, etc. So if you're going to put a shop in these new communities, how are you going to give that support when it's going to be under attack, that shop, from the vans and, as you say, the drones, which mm. we'll see. Yeah. No. Good. Well, I, I think actually that uh, grocery deliveries is another aspect that we should be considering in terms of accessibility. Um, okay. 
If there are no other points, I'm going to move on to transport, chapter 6. Obviously, we've picked up the transport points. A lot of transport points were made by the speakers. Um, some of that was picked up in the SP7 analyses, um, whether it be for any of the three. I think each of the three further work has got to be done through the DPD to ensure that, um, to at least ensure that the new um, garden communities are not exacerbating the situation. So in some cases there are already problems. Uh, the 505 already has a problem, but the new settlement mustn't exacerbate that. It, it must um, put in measures to uh, swallow its own smoke, and that's the, and that's the case with the other uh, two communities as well. Is there anything you want, else you want to say on transport that we haven't previously covered? Can I just say, Chairman, that uh, on page 164, <coughs> I welcome the paragraph which says, support sustainable transportation connectivity between Braintree, Great Dunmow, Stansted Airport and Bishop Stortford. So we've got it there spelled out. It, it, that sort of emphasises my point earlier that we should be saying that in other places as well. Yeah, and my earlier point um, about the uh, footpath from Hinkston to Saffron Walden should uh, be included in the walking and, and cycling improvement section. Councillor Barker. Thank you, Chairman. Um, we make a few references to Essex County Council here, but we don't actually acknowledge, and why not put it in if we can, that actually a lot of the suggestions that have been made by Essex Council, Council to improve movement around Saffron Walden and potentially to increase air, improve air quality um, haven't been carried out. A number of junction improvements have been proposed over the years and we're still without most of them. And I just think as we do mention air quality in Saffron Walden that we should, you know, we will continue to lobby Essex County Council to deliver improvements within the town. Forget the new stuff, but there is stuff in the town that they have said would help, would help with traffic flow, with traffic movements. And we haven't been prioritised in Saffron Walden and I think it's about time we were. Yeah. We talk about the AQMA, yes, but we, we, we don't have another go at Essex County Council, if you like, and say that we are continuing to work with Essex County Council to deliver improvements that they have already identified. Councillor Lees. Uh, on page um, 163, we have said that we um, are going to use the Essex County Council parking standards design good practice. Essex County, I personally, if you go to any of the new developments in Takeley, Elsham, any, I don't think that uh, the parking is appalling and we know it, absolutely. Please don't be offended, but I don't think Essex County Council's parking strategy is that good, frankly. And if you go to Little Dunmo, Dunmo, myself in Elsham, there, there, there is hardly any parking. Um, so I don't actually want to adopt their parking standards. I'd like us to have our own parking standards, new Forest Hall Park is another one in Stansted. Um, very little parking for people that have moved into these developments. And if the garden communities are going to maintain the same parking that's in all the other developments we've had so far, I think it would be a pretty poor show. So I will ask officers to comment on that. We've, we, we've covered this. It, 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 it's, rather, it's rather consistent. It's, it's very consistent with Councillor Davis's point. And um, interestingly, if you go to the new development uh, that Cambridge University are building on the Maddingley Road, the one that you can see from the M11, um, there's double yellow lines everywhere. 
the extensive walking and cycling paths and extensive parking behind the cycle paths. So that's one quite draconian way of dealing with it. Um, we absolutely, it's a combination of more cars than capacity to park them, and I think we need to recognise that garages are not used to park cars, um, and uh, the narrowness of the roads, so that when the cars cannot be accommodated on the drive, they go on the road, the road's not wide enough, they park on the kerb, and you know, we have further and further problems. And I think as, as part of the design, certainly of the new communities, I'm not it doesn't necessarily help existing communities, that all of that needs to be taken into account. So, uh, so the width of the road has got to be appropriate and there has got to be sufficient parking either at, beside the home or, or near enough to it. Officers, do you wish to comment? You're absolutely right. You can go around, I can think of four or five developments where you have exactly the same problem. I have been to people's houses at hospice at home and I've tried to visit people who are very poorly and I've had to walk t and I've had to park 10 minutes in Little Dumbo to get to somebody's house which I think is pretty appalling because all the people who live there this is at 10 o'clock at night it's only the people that live there that have parked um, I find that pretty you know I think we need to be revolutionary here um, my only comment would be the the uh, well my two comments would be sorry uh, the paragraph sets out that we've already adopted the, the County Council's parking standards design guide and further amendments in 2013, but it does also mention uh, new development will be expected to meet these or any other standards approved by the Council. Um, the uh, development plan documents for the garden communities and the, the, the work that would go on, on there has the potential to look at parking standards if, if that's something the Council wanted to. I think we do, because uh, we don't have to keep learning the same lesson, which is that uh, the width of the road and the capacity of parking cars uh, is not appropriately covered in some of our recent uh, developments, um, uh, whether it's in Stansted or Takeley or wherever else. Um, I mean, they, have their, all, they all have their own attractions, but capacity to park is not necessarily one of them. So I, I absolutely think, I, I totally support Councillor Lee's point here. It's something that we can put right. That we, it's not necessarily us that haven't got right. I don't think universally people have got it right. But um, it, and it is, it's, it's an issue. I mean, whereas um, picking up um, Councillor Oliver's nostalgic view of retail uh, 20 years ago, the same thing applies to cars. It used to be one car per family. Now it's three or four cars per family. And it's, um, but we have to be realistic. That's the world we're addressing until we all drive around in pods, which may come in the course of um, this plan, but we can't predict it. Anything else? Yes, Councillor Lodge. Sorry, two points on transport. One is a bit of a revisit, but it is uh, a problem as it's specifically stated for me, and that's page 1546.9. Um, it's talking about the, uh, the wonderful Saffron Walden Link Road. Um, it says the update indicates without a link road development on part of the Keir site, 150 developments, 100, yeah, 150 dwellings would have acceptable impact. I don't believe we have proof to say that and unless we have the proof I believe it should be taken out. Second point, 162, this is all about electric charging points. Um, these look incredibly low to me. It seemed 2% uh, two, two, two of the provision in flats 
will we'll have a, an electric charging point. That can't be right. Very good observation, Councillor Lodge, on the charging points. I'm not sure about the first point, but um, uh, it, it, clearly we can predict that there will be a demand for charging points. We absolutely can predict that until we move on to another form of, uh, of powering uh, vehicles. But we know that uh, electric cars are on their way, um, whether we drive them or they're robotically driven. But, uh, so I think that is a very important point to, to emphasise. Um, and I'll ask, I don't know whether officers um, can comment on uh, whether we can prove acceptable that, they, that, that the impacts are acceptable or whether you want to take that offline to have a conversation with Councillor Lodge? Uh, happy to do either, Chair. Um, just on the electric vehicle charging points, uh, the addition, the final sentence to the policy uh, <coughs> says that new flat schemes will need to provide further future-proofing measures such as appropriate wiring to ensure that as, as demand for electric vehicles increases over time, uh, this can be met. Um, but I'm not sure. How, how would you like me to uh, deal with the point on Saffron Walden? Uh, Councillor Lodge, are you happy to take this offline with um, planning officers? It's not because this is a, an existing plan, so it's not just Mr. Miles actually who's involved here. Well, yeah, if, if, if we can do it, I have been raising this for about 18 months, but uh, when we're, only, we're only 19 days away from uh, a vote on this. Okay, we'll action that, uh, Alistair, if you could. Councillor Barker. Could I just comment about that policy that I hope we're not building too many blocks of more than 50 flats? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Noted. Anything else on Chapter 7? Otherwise, I'm going to move on to Chapter 8, Infrastructure. Again, we've picked up these points uh, in earlier discussion, but is there anything in this particular chapter that you wish to talk about, Councillor Dean? It's the, I suppose it's the wishy-washiness of some of the wording that um, I, I'd just like to raise. In the, um, the beginning of the, in the other pack, the, the introductory report, there is um, the words the council will keep open the possibility of introducing SIL, community infrastructure levy, as mentioned. Here it says the council may consider introducing a community infrastructure levy. We're still sort of sitting on the fence, and uh, to me it's becoming more apparent that we should, we should get on with it. I know it requires work to be done and uh, an infrastructure list to be drawn up, but I, I just think there's too much equivocation on this. So uh, you I'd, have I'd, li I'd like to see the words a little more positive. Uh, well, what you have is a commitment that the council will review whether SIL is appropriate either in whole or in part hmm. going forward. So when we last looked at this, it was very clear that 106 was the appropriate, and I think we've benefited from 106. Uh, and, and hindsight proves that 106 was the right thing to do. It's perfectly possible that going forward, as I say, either completely or probably 
more likely, it, in, it, where appropriate, that SIL would be a better solution. But we, as, as with everything uh, about uh, planning and everything else that we do, uh, we need the empirical evidence. So if we have empirical evidence, then of course we will follow that. Uh, so it, it's, it, you're pushing at an open door. If SIL is the right thing to do, then that's what we'll do. We have no, we have no um, problem with SIL as, as long as uh, it, is, it, is, it is seen by uh, the appropriate expert to be the right thing to do. I mean, the reason I raise it is that you know, besides the necessary infrastructure to deliver housing wherever it may be, including the new settlements, um, there is the issue of infrastructure deficit elsewhere. Now, if you read the earlier infrastructure document or the report we had last week, they, you know, they say that um, the, the consultants say that uh, the infrastructure plan for the local plan is not there to sort out deficits unless there's a, you know, there's a direct linkage. But I think until we've actually done an audit of the district and clearly identified the weaknesses, and we know, you know, road right near my house in sense that it's clogged up all the time, but there's lots more. You know, we, we need that, and then, and then we've got something to work on. Otherwise, I just think the planning system kind of ignores things that aren't right in front of your nose, mm -hmm. and there are things that are not right in front of our nose when it comes to new development that should be sorted yep. by one means or another, and SIL is one way of doing yep. that. And I think the Council, to be fair, has, has committed to reviewing SIL, um, at, uh, and, and it's one of the next things to do. Obviously, you, you know, we have a bit of a priority to get through this, but as soon as, as, soon as we've launched the... Um, the consultation, if we launch the consultation, then it gives officers a bit of time to review things like SIL. So uh, there's a commitment to, to, to undertake that. Councillor Barker. Um, just two small points, Chairman. I can't actually see in here anywhere that when we talk about new sports facilities and community facilities that they should be available both for schools and the community. I think it's a great waste if you build a 10,000 house development and you've got a secondary school with hockey pitches, that they need to be available to the community out of term time or out of whatever time because you know, otherwise it's more and more of a land take because the rest of the community wants that facility. And the other thing it doesn't say, and I don't know where it really fits, um, we all look at um, the estates that have been built, and it, you know, not, not new estates, old estates, anything else, and there are always grotty little bits of land, those bits of land that nobody wants to look after, that Dunmo Town Council doesn't want to mow and nobody wants to mow and nobody takes responsibility for. And it would be really nice to think in planning some of these that a house is responsible for that bit of land. So if there's an odd-shaped bit of land, well, they get a slightly bigger garden or something so that we don't end up with a lot of stuff that the public sector has to maintain forever. And I know that may be diff different within a garden community. There may be an entity to do that. But those funny little grotty squares of land are funny little grotty squares of land. I think the more we can design this out of future estates, developments, um, the better, because if... The plan belongs to somebody. On the whole, people look after it better. Yep, I think we all support that. So we need to make sure that in the design that is the case. Your, your, your first point, I have some reservation. I mean, obviously, to maximise the use of school sporting facilities is in everybody's interest. But there are many times when... Uh, obviously there's a dual demand for those facilities so th th there will have to be um, you, you know, facilities over and above we're undertaking a full sports review uh, and I think we all recognise that um, 
we will need more facilities in a range of sports. So, uh, but that, you know, that is the, re the review will be very helpful with that, and clearly the new communities will deliver a lot of sporting capacity. Excuse me, Chair. If I could just add something on that as well. Um, policy INF2, page 172, uh, has a sentence in there about dual use of uh, sports facilities, which says, where the sports strategy identifies a community need which can be met through existing school and college sports facilities, this will be encouraged. So we are looking to, to, to where the sports strategy identifies that as an appropriate way of, of meeting need for that to, to work that way. Good. Excellent. If there are no other points, I'm going on to design and construction. Just sorry, on page 177, Chairman, could we just again mention telephone? Yep. No, it's sort In 8.25, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, sure. Okay. Will do. We've got that. Um, design and construction, chapter 9, starting at page 179. Any comments here? Reference to um, well, reference to car parking design actually in here as well. High quality design, shop fronts. I mean, obviously you've seen this before, so um, I think you're fairly well versed in the design policies. Are you content on this paragraph? Mm -hmm. Okay. I'm going to move on now to the environment. Uh, we have touched on the environment several times already this evening. Um, it starts at page 193. Clearly a key aspect of the whole plan in terms of um, design of development within conservation areas, of which we have a, a lot It's a, it's a key aspect. I think we're quite uh, familiar with it. Schedule monuments, some, that was, point was raised uh, in, by the speakers and clearly um, due account will be taken. Um, and we will follow the um, archaeological study that was completed as well as the environmental impact study that was completed and that will determine the sites of some of the homes on some of the developments. Councillor Dean. I have a question uh, relates to it's page 216 and 217 um, air quality which has been mentioned earlier. It's not clear to me whether this policy, somewhere one reads about the air quality management area in Saffron Walden. As far as I'm aware, and somebody might want to correct me, that's the only one that exists at the present time. What I'm not clear about is whether this policy or other mechanisms um, facilitate the establishment, where necessary, of other AQMAs, such that we, you know, we, we don't only think about Saffron Walden if there are problems elsewhere, which there may be. Mr. Harborough. So, um, if monitoring 
found a situation where air quality objectives were not being met uh, and it was consequently relevant to designate an air quality management area. It wouldn't depend upon any reference to that effect in the local plan because that stems from other legislation. Fine. Thanks very much. Councillor Lodge. Thanks. I'm on air quality as well. Um, one, one point of detail. Um, we're on page 217, um, and uh, they're not numbered, but about the third paragraph from the bottom, where development proposals would be subject to unacceptable air quality standards or would have an acceptable impact on air quality. I think that means an unacceptable impact on air quality. Okay. The more substantive point, though, is that in, the, in the, the second paragraph, we talk about significant adverse effects on health, and we also talk about it uh, on the next page, 217. Um, I really do not like significant. If, if, um, if, one, if, if one further child has to, to use an inhaler because of asthma problems, if one older person has obstructive problems, I think that is significant and it shouldn't be there. I think uh, it should be, I feel very strongly, it should be adverse impacts and significant should be taken out. So uh, we have looked at this again following the, um, the review meeting we had with Nigel Brown looking at the policies because this, this was, was raised. I, I know you, you left before we it got on to this. It went on a bit. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it did. I know you left before we got on to this policy, but it, it was raised um, recognising that uh, we, knew, we, we knew this was an issue. Following that meeting, we've, we've spoken again with environmental health colleagues um, and the word significant does have a, a particular meaning in, in, in environmental health terms. It also has a particular meaning in terms of uh, EIA, Environmental Impact Assessment, apologies. Um, and the advice we're getting is that significant adverse effect is the appropriate wording. If it has an adverse effect which is not significant, and this is where we're getting into the... the Kind of Don't think one further child having to have a, uh, an inhaler is significant. It, of course it is. So that would be above the level of, of significant. I don't follow your logic. Interestingly, South Cams have taken significant out. Mr. Harper. So significant is assessed in, uh, through the, the, the national air quality objectives for different emissions. Uh, those objectives are health-related, um, so it, it's whether or not those objectives are breached or compromised, which will be the relevant test. I, 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 I sense this comes to the same thing. So, um, significant is, is an impact. And so your example would be significant. Okay, Mr. Harbour, do you want to explain? So um, the, the, the significance does not turn upon the impact on the health of a particular individual. It's looking at the health of, of communities. Um, because obviously some people will be particularly vulnerable to uh, poor air quality 
Um, but in, it, so that, that, that's not the relevant test. It's, it's whether or not communities as a whole would be subject to, uh, to risks which um, are reflected in, the, in the, the national objectives. Uh, can I make a proposal, sir, that, uh, that we, uh, we take a vote on this? I would like significant removing as far as the recommendation goes. What impact does that have um, on national policy, Mr. Harper, before we... Well, inevitably, in implementing the policy, you go back to the national objectives, uh, whether or not the word significant is in the policy. So is the compromise position that would not have uh, an adverse effect um, consistent with national policies or worse that effect? So that, uh, I mean, we're not going to South generate Cam's our own unique it. circumstances here, are we? Sorry? South Cams are happy with it. Well, maybe they are, but... Um, well, possibly for the same reason, that it's all about how, what is the impact in terms of achieving national air quality objectives rather than... Uh, sort of semantic discussions to whether or not it's significant or not. Mm. Yeah. Councillor Barker. Can I just ask for clarification why at two points in this document we use the word significant and then the paragraph we started out we use unacceptable. Yeah. Might unacceptable be a substitution for significant? Uh, well, possibly, but I think it, you know, it goes back to the same point. If, well, no, it isn't because, because you know, the, the assessment is against quantifiable data um, in, in terms of modelling. So um, I think whatever wording you want to see in the plan, uh, how that policy will be implemented will always come back to quantifiable standards. Which is the next bullet, development as regard to relevant uh, air quality technical guidance which is presumably the national guidance. Um, I, I think the answer lies, uh, I'm never a great fan of um, rewriting on the hoof, but let's take Councillor Lodge's point away, uh, because I think the key point is the one that you're referring to, Mr. Harper, which is that um, it is in line with national guidance. So whether it's significant is in or out, it is in line with national guidance. So if we can take that away and see if we can come up with something that makes that point, um, I think that might, be, might satisfy Councillor Lodge. But just going back to it, if we, if we put significant in, what we're saying is that some deterioration of health is acceptable. That's what the thing then says. So you can have adverse effects on health. That's what this will allow. Completely, I, that, I find that completely unacceptable. Well, I think Mr. Harbour's point is it depends on the condition of the individual, doesn't it? I, I, I mean, I, I don't think you can have a, a policy that doesn't, won't impact on anybody, whatever their circumstances. So, we're not talking about anybody. We're talking about health. No, no, you're, you're picking out, you, you, you used a, a, an example of somebody who had to use an inhaler. You're, you're picking individual examples and uh, uh, Mr. Harbour is making the point that there will be circumstances that might affect individuals and clearly um, whilst 
that is, is you know, not desirable, that it will happen, as it will happen in any other walk of life. But what we're trying to uh, find here is a solution that we're not impacting on the general health of the community. Uh, and that's, that's what the national guidance is all about. So I, I think there is a way forward here. I, 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 we're not arguing that um, air quality isn't of fundamental importance and we can't have poor air quality that has... A, 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 an impact on the community. The question is exactly what those words are, but I, I think the words lie something inconsistent with national guidance. But if we can go away and have a think about that and come back to you, and we'll obviously copy you in council law so that uh, you're made aware of that. Anything else? In which case we go to item 11, countryside. Again, points were made. I think... Uh, by Professor Brown um, in terms of the impact uh, at North Chesterford on, on the countryside and the landscape. So these, these are material points um, which hopefully um, the indication is that they're being taken seriously. Um, and uh, C1, protection of landscape character. Uh, then obviously the more detailed points about reuse of uh, rural buildings. A change of use of agricultural land. Does it make much sense, that, Chairman? Which one, uh, Councillor Parker? Re uh, C2, reuse of rural buildings. Um, the, the paragraph there, just at the bottom, it says change of use of agricultural land and domestic garden. Sorry, what page are you? Mike, Sue. 223. Two, Sorry, 223. Two, it's just we've got the reuse, it says the reuse or not, and the bottom, bottom sentence just says change of use of agricultural land. To domestic garden. It doesn't say what we'll allow or not allow or how we would allow it, it just says it. So if we could change the, the words to aren't consistent with the other points. Will be yep. when. Well done. Good spot. We notice it. We'll change that. Thank you. Good. Anything else under countryside? In which case, so I'm going to ask now um, Mr. Miles just to explain Chapter 11 site allocations because they do take basically. Uh, the, most of the rest of the, um, the document. Uh, so just in principle, uh, what do we have here? Uh, thank you, Chair. So in principle, what we have here is all the allocations which are proposed for the Regulation 19 local plan, both residential and non-residential. Um, there is a uh, slight... One of, one of the miswording issues that we have here is there's a potential for confusion, so I'll just explain that. At the end of each of the sites, we say status of site as of 1st of April 2017, and then we say whether it's got planning permission or is an allocation. Um, what the purpose of that final point is to, to do is to give information as to whether it has a planning permission or not, uh, not that it was allocated at April 2017. Some of these being new allocations were not. So we're, we're going to amend that final point just to make it more clear what it's, what it's trying to do. Um, I would also like to refer you to uh, pages 16 and 17, of agenda pages 16 and 17, which pulls out the new site allocations from regulation, uh, that are different from regulation 18, um, just so that uh, members are aware of them. So let's take uh, 16 and 17 and page 225 onwards as a collective item. So the individual site allocations. Any comments? Councillor Lees. Henham. Sorry. 
sure whether you are going to go through it in alphabetical order or are we just going straight in? I think we'll go straight in. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll start, of course, with... Um, I think I'll start with the school lane one in Henham. Um, I've, I've already said this at members' meeting, um, and I, I shall say it again. I don't really understand if we are... This is a planning policy working group. We're all supposed to be working together. I don't really understand how a site that has been refused by a planning committee is back in the plan. That site will then go to appeal, maybe, and that will influence the appeal, won't it? The planning committee are there to make their judgment on a recommendation. And this planning committee had decided that this wasn't the correct site. And the officers have turned around and gone, no, planning committee, don't know what you're talking about, we're going to whip it back in. I, we either have a planning committee or we do not. We are supposed to be working together here. I find it quite incongruent. I've said it before. I'll stop now. Thank you. Heard. I'm not, I'll come back to the point. I'll come back to the point. Any other comments? I mean, obviously, one of the, one of the speakers talked about 40 houses in Elsnham. The actual planning, uh, the fact that it's counteracted a planning, uh, the, the planning committee's decision is, uh, I find, quite difficult to comprehend. Councillor Lachlan. Uh, thank you. Well, I thought it was 25 houses. It's got 35 here. Um, but the application was refused initially because the S106 was not in place, although it was be working on, uh, and that was actually mentioned at the planning committee. Um, but the committee this time refused it on highways grounds, and the, the one that came in before was actually a different application to this one. So I hope that clarifies it to you. And in fact, the legal officer uh, at the time did say that the S106 was in hand and it was all being dealt with. So that was a different, it was different to this one. It might, we don't know if it's going to go to appeal. We haven't heard anything yet. Um, um, so, well, I hadn't heard today when I was speaking about it. You obviously got the same email as I did and Councillor Mills did, and I don't know if anybody else here got it. But, uh, um, yeah, so uh, I hope, I don't know if that explains. The planning, you are part of the planning committee. No, we've got the point. We've got the Henning point. Are there any other sites? Dr. Um, Mott talked about uh, the 40 houses in Elston. Do you want to talk on that one? Uh, yes, please. Um, Elston Parish Council, as you know, are very disappointed it's in. Having re-looked at it, I think that this is definitely a site that needs to be, have a site visit and be seen. Sorry, gentlemen. Um, and also the fact that we have to keep taking into account that in 2016 the inspector said no to 800 houses. Elston have already had 565. Stansted have had goodness knows how many. The impact on the highways when we were told in 2016 it was going to be too many, 850, obviously stands today. And I think we can fairly say that Elston has taken their fair share. It's 900 houses, 565 so far. Any other comments? Councillor Barker. I will just make a comment on the additional allocation in Great Dunmo. I think it's very sad that Great Dunmo is the only town in this whole district that has an adopted neighbourhood plan and this is now the second site 
that we have allocated that sits outside that neighbourhood plan. They've worked very hard. We have 2,500 houses or something in Dunmo currently with planning permission not built. We are allocating more on the school site. We are allocating more south of Stortford Road. And then this little corner that sort of heads off in another direction, at totally the wrong end of town, has been included for the want of 15 houses. And I, I do find that very, very sad, Chairman. Councillor Lees. Sorry. Uh, one, I'd like to uh, agree with Councillor Barker, and um, particularly on page 79 of the, the, the document, it says that neighbourhood planning is a right for communities to introduce the Localism Act, um, and you know that, that, that we will support neighbourhood plans, and we're showing that we don't. So that I agree with totally. And then secondly, I'd like to go on to Newport, if I may. Newport have produced their own neighbourhood plan. It also says in the document... Let's be clear, it hasn't been adopted. Oh, OK. It hasn't been adopted. However, I am speaking on behalf of Newport. Sorry. It does also say that neighbourhood plans should plan positively and should not promote less development than set out in the local plan. Well, Newport are promoting more houses. They're going to give you 17 more because they would like... Um, the chalk farm to be taken in and they would like the bricks to be taken out but it, so it's 11 to take out 11 I'm just trying to find it, sorry and to put in 13 so yeah, they actually are giving a bit more so if we're asking people to do their local plans to look at it, like, like Dumbo and they are saying, do you know what? We don't like that, and we don't like it because it's a kilometre from the town centre, it's two kilometres, um, it's excluded from the neighbourhood plan, the chalk farm is a quarry, we would like it, we're going to have plus 17. Why are we not listening? You know, we're asking people to, to do it, they've said they'd do it, they've produced a fabulous plan, admittedly it's not been adopted, but they are actually saying we, we would happily take a bit more than you said. So, there we are, I have, t I have two I don't want, um, Three, three and one I want, and that makes more. So, Thanks. does anybody want to talk about uh, Newport? Uh, Newport's at its consultation stage, which the Parish Council are carrying out. Um, officers will be commenting on that and making sure that it's complying with the requirements that neighbourhood plans need to make. Um, I think there are some officers do have some concerns about its approach on various policies and things. Um, it will then have to be submitted to the, to the district council and go out for consultation again before an inquiry and referendum. So it has got quite a long way to go. But in um, terms of the site, which I understand... In terms of the site, so um, the local plan is just allocating a very small extension next to a site which already has consent and it's within a um, it's a paddock next to um, a garden it's quite a well contained site um, the sites that have been proposed in the regulation 14 I think it is neighbourhood plan are a small bit of a quarry you can't remember what you say but it's about 30 houses and then a site for 150 in the existing quarry which is being worked so we have Concerns. We need to make sure that those sites are viable in relation to the road for the access to those sites, the working of the quarry, um, pedestrian access across the railway line, 
So there's lots of issues to be discussed in relation to the neighbourhood plan. But there is access, isn't it, on the railway line, because it's right by the railway line? Yeah, so if people wanted to walk to the primary school, they would have to go across the footbridge, and the neighbourhood plan talks about um, potential putting a lift in, so we would need to look at the viability of that. And so the single-track road that is from either from... Sorry, I don't... The Debden Road or the, is it the Whittington Road either side um, are long single-track roads, which we'd need to check that they were that the development could pay for the upgrading of their roads to accommodate just under 200 homes. So I don't think it's quite as simple as um, an immediate swap. Um, Are there any others? So uh, the one that um, is different to all the others is Henham. Um, It depends on what colleagues feel but I think because it has been through a process and has been turned down, there is an argument that says um, that Henham could come out. The danger of taking anything out is if you then say, well, why not do um, Elsenham, why not do Great Dunmo, why not do Saffron Walden, why not do X, Y and Z, Uh, then the whole thing unravels. You don't have a five-year land supply and you're going to start the plan again and then you'll end up with 2,000 houses, 750 of which will be in Elsenham. So just be incredibly careful what you wish for. But I understand the Henham argument and I'm interested in views from colleagues on this. Yep. Uh, From a personal point of view, I'd like to see it taken out. Um, but I do understand that it may go to appeal, in which case it won't be in the local plan, but it may go through on the inspector's uh, you know, uh, approval, and we can't really do anything about that. So uh, I'm happy to see it, it taken out. And, uh, because it's, but I think it was for 25, not 35 houses, from memory. Um, Been increased. I think it's 35. It's 35. Is it? Yeah. Even more easy to take it out there. But uh, no, I'm happy to see that gone. I I don't really see that it's going to be very significant in the local plan. It's not a very uh, big amount of houses. So I'm sure we'd all be happy to see that go. Councillor Dean? I don't know a great deal of the history of that, but what I have heard is that essentially the, the, the site is fine in principle. It was just the specific design of the recent applications, why it was thrown out and of course this can happen with anything that we've got in the local plan that somebody may come in with an awful design and, and, and it gets refused and it's even I, I don't really want to get into the detail of the so, plan you know, why so it, it wasn't, the bottom line it was turned down, no, it what? is therefore different from the others and I understand, yeah it's turned down twice actually and yeah. Sorry, neither of those were on design. I'm sorry, no, Councillor no, Dean is wrong. Weren't. Yeah, okay. So let's not get into the detail of, the, of, of, of why, but it was turned down. Well, I'll vote on my 15 to be taken out then, Chairman. Well, exactly. That's my, exactly my point. If you start to unravel it, then uh, we're going to destroy the plan. So we either... We it's either not going to destroy... The, sorry, it's not going to destroy the plan, is it? when we are looking at it in principle, why do we have a planning committee then? Because if this does no, go to appeal... If you, I mis- finish, you mishear me. If this does go to appeal, then the, the applicant can I, say... I am content now to, take out, to, to suggest that we take out Henham for the reasons that you've laid out, which are as it's been to a planning. What I'm not content to do is for that then to be used as a reason to take out two or three other plots, because you're, un, you're unravelling the whole thing. 
And if you unravel the whole thing, then beware the consequences. Those in favour of taking Henham out exclusively. The only change. Where we are now is that we are looking at the sites and we are proposing to take out Henham. We are recommending to Cabinet that the, that the plan that uh, we are putting forward does not include the Henham site and that is the only change to the, the allocations. Well, I am happy with that. I don't know about councillors. No. So those in favour of taking out Henham and leaving in the rest, please show. Those, I think that is four. Five. Five. Okay. So yeah. Okay. So I think we've carried that through. Um, Thank you. Fine. Um, right. So. What is next, Mr. Miles? I think we've got some guests who suggested. Mike. We do have we do have some guests today. Um, so, la well, hang on, let me just. So we covered some. Of the we have um, uh, last week we had um, people from Troy Planning giving an update on the whole plan viability study and you will find in your papers at uh, agenda page 1035 that update. We have um, uh, again some people from uh, Troy Planning and also from Three Dragons um, here to answer questions should members have any questions. personally don't have any questions because these are broadly statements of fact, aren't they? <coughs> the, the Councillor Lodge. Can I, can I admit that I had, I had difficulty with this study? <laughs> I, I didn't understand quite a bit. I wasn't quite sure why, why we were doing it. We were looking at, we were looking at um, commercial viability and yet, as we know, we haven't, we haven't gone to any delivery mechanisms yet we're specifically including that so what are we really saying and I'm glad they're here they can, they can maybe say it in, in, in simpler words uh, what are we saying and why are we saying it okay. at this stage that's your cue what are we saying and why are we saying it welcome to this meeting so you've had to wait for uh, best part of three hours but uh, thank that's, you for that's right. glad, glad I've got to speak <laughs> having come all the way over um, so the, the viability study really is taking all the policies that you've got in your that you've put in your plan um, and looking at how much they would cost to deliver alongside 
the normal development costs and then if the site is if the site is viable if if there's enough money left at the end to pay for the land then um, then the sites then your policies are deliverable but if if we did this testing and obviously um, we're not we are sometimes looking into the future but if if the if the sums showed a negative figure, then there would be something wrong with your policies and de developers wouldn't be able to bring the sites forward and deliver them. But we still have a lot of questions to, to, ask, to, to answer. If we, go in, if we go down the development corporation route, if we look at um, the acquisition of the land at, uh, um, at similar values to, the, uh, to existing use, um, that rather begs the question of looking at residuals. We're not going to go to residuals. We're not going to be paying commercial rates for, for that land. And if you look at uh, one other point I've got was on page 447, which I can remember it there, when the Garden City principles talk about acquiring land at or near existing use value. That's part of the Garden City delivery. So um, is this really relevant, the work that you've done? Mr. Harper, sorry to interrupt you, did you want to come in there, Mr. Harper? Right, so we're looking at two separate tests here. One is a test which is normally applied to all local plan proposals, uh, and that's done on a, almost a conventional basis. Separate piece of work is around the delivery of uh, our garden communities on TCPA principles, but that's a, that's a different financial test which is being applied there. So, yes, yeah, so, so garden cities are excluded from this study, effectively. Well, no, they're not. But um, for the purposes of the whole plan viability, it's on a conventional basis, not on um, a bespoke basis. Do you want to carry on? So, I don't... Yeah, I don't know if that's answered your question, but yes, it's, it's a convention. All, all local plans would, would require a viability study to show that the policies are affordable and deliverable to the council. Um, the particular um, summary of findings that you've got there doesn't show the garden communities. Um, we are, we're still in the process of testing them, and we've been testing them today, because, and that's partly just because the garden communities are so complex. Although, to take... Um, gentleman's point over there, we're not specifically testing the exact sites that are in the local plan, we're testing similar typologies that are representative of the sites in the local plan so that you can get a flavour of the fact that your policies are deliverable. And we did one set of testing at, at your Reg 18 stage, um, which I think then went on to inform what, what, what policies you put in this, in, in this Regulation 19 stage. Um, and we will assume a value for the land. Um, and it is usually... Um, it, it depends, it's, it's, we tend to look at existing value and, and, and an uplift, al along with other methods as well. Um, but it, it's not for the purposes of purchasing the land. <laughs> not for the purposes of the council purchasing the land through CPO or anything. It, it, it's to, to show a value that a willing landowner would be likely to accept for the site to come forward. 
So, in summary, both points are valid. So, uh, garden communities will work to different principles if, if we went to a um, development corporation. But uh, your, your study is a, the, the local plan across the local plan in terms of the viability of it, recognising that garden communities could be different. Yes, and when, when we deliver the final report that will accompany um, the, the plan to submission, then we will, we will say more about the garden communities, but recognising very much that there are dis different principles and, and different costs and processes uh, involved. And when is your final plan due? Um, so we'll, in, we'll, we'll have it... We will have it with you in time um, for, for, the council for, the, for the council meeting. Okay. Yeah. Does that yeah. satisfy you, Councillor Lodge? I, th I think when I got to page 1035, you, I, could you have done, I, I must say I could have done more work on this. <laughs> well, I think the point, we're very grateful for you for coming because what, basically you, you, you're giving us an interim report uh, for a report that we're going to have, a complete report in time for the council meeting on the 19th of June. So uh, we will have additional information uh, by the, uh, on, on the 19th. Uh, so you've updated us on. I think you know, Councillor Lodge has raised an interesting point, um, but uh, it would be interesting to see how you tease out the, the, the different um, um, calculations for what might be in a garden community from, from your routine study of, of, of affordability. Can I just add that I'm happy if you wanted to contact me separately and and discuss any points so, um, Stephen will have okay. my contact details and it's absolutely thank fine you. Well, that might well be helpful so thank you very much indeed any other <laughs> questions on that point Councillor Dean right just stay with this point for a minute um, anything else thank you very much indeed we look forward to the final report yeah that's great thank you monitoring what page are you on? I'm on page 439. Um, if you remember back at the um, Regulation 18 stage, we, um, the, the, the public meeting we had there, we um, changed the policy on Stansted Airport to remove reference to full use of the single runway. What we didn't do at that meeting was change the policy objective 2C at the top of page 439 which talks about monitoring the utilisation of the full capacity of the existing runway. I did raise this with the Chief Executive a few days ago on the 26th by email. Um, I haven't heard back whether this has been adapted to provide consistency. Who would like to answer that point? Uh, I can answer that, Chair. Okay. Um, Yes, uh, we, we have been made aware of this particular uh, point and it is one that we're looking to pick up not in the, um, the consistency kind of formatting and, um, and typos type amendments. So this, this is one which is following on from changes that we made elsewhere in the plan to ensure consistency. Yeah. Any other points? Uh, Chairman, on page sorry, 440, we're looking at monitoring. So we're talking about uh, no, development be, no development to be permitted in the metropolitan green belt, but we're not looking at the countryside protection zone. Is there a reason for that? Fair question. Fair question. Um, 
Yeah, I don't see why we don't. Yeah, we, we can add to that. Yep. To that. Good. To that. Excellent. Thank you. Right. A summary. Any other points? You've done well. You've been at it for three hours, and you've raised some very important points. So, thank my colleagues for their diligence in reading and raising the points. Um, I take you back to the recommendation, which I'm going to read out again, uh, recognising yeah, so um, we need to add that the Henham allocation site is excluded in our recommendation. Uh, that planning policy working group being satisfied that the preparation of the local plan has complied with the relevant regulatory requirements and being of the view that the Regulation 19 local plan document is ready for submission to government for independent examination, recommends to Cabinet that the Regulation 19 pre-submission local plan be published in accordance with the Town and Country Planning brackets, Local Planning brackets, England Regulations uh, 2012, and the words will be added and we'll get the right words. Uh, could we have a second recommendation, please, Chair? Pardon? I would like it as a separate recommendation. I would, like, I would like the Henham issue as a separate recommendation. We have already voted on it. Yes, 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 but you're about to add words. I'd like to vote on this recommendation. And then add... If you want a second recommendation, fine, but I still don't want to vote on that. Okay. Yeah. Councillor Barker wants to have the Henham as a separate item. I don't quite understand why we would do that. We've already had a vote on Henham. So it's but been I didn't included agree as... with it. No, I know you didn't, but um, the vote was taken and it was, it was passed by the, by the group as being the only exception. So I think, I think oh, we'll... Put, we'll it, put it as one. We'll stay, stay, stay with this, too. So uh, we'll now find the words uh, that um, uh, along the lines of a number of uh, amendments were made, because it wasn't the only one, uh, there's quite a lot of word, well, a whole series of wording that we've changed, which will be incorporated in the document for Cabinet, including the removal of the proposed Henham site. So if you'll excuse that those are loose words at the moment, but you, you understand what I'm saying. So I have a, I've had a seconder. Uh, those in favour of that recommendation? Those against? Those abstaining? So carried by six, seven to one. I'm not abstaining. I'm just getting the numbers right. So carried seven, no one objections, one abstention. On that note, I very much thank those who have come this evening and spoken. I hope we've given some answer. Uh, I re-stress the importance uh, uh, of having a plan. There is so much more opportunity to comment, not just the consultation. The DPD is an absolutely fundam element, fundamental element. If you have individual concerns, for example the one at Elstenham, of course you'll comment on the plan and that will be given due consideration. So thank you for your time and uh, we look forward to seeing you at a future meeting. Thanks very much. Bye.